Hello, beautiful people. It is Aaron Rodgers, Tuesday, November 15th, 2022. And this dumbass show from the Thunderdome begins right now. Football is done with its week 10 slate of the NFL season. Last night's Monday Night Football game showcased the only undefeated team in the NFL going into last night, the Philadelphia Eagles, at home against the Washington Commanders. And lo and behold, after a game of field goal kicks and moxie, the Washington Commanders deliver the Philadelphia Eagles their first L of the season. We will have Taylor Heineke joining us at 1.20 Eastern Standard Time, the quarterback for the Commanders, not only last night, but in four games, he's 3-1 and one as their quarterback. Now, he didn't throw for a single touchdown last night, only an interception. But the motherfucker's a winner. Mm-hmm. He's got moxie. He made big-time throws to scary Terry McLaurin there. He dropped it in a fucking bucket very late into that game. There was big balls thrown by old Heineke, Hell yeah. who's a bowler. Look at this guy, though. He is slinging it. This isn't the exact throw that I was talking about. This one came, uh, the Scary Terry one came late whenever they fucking needed it. it. But this is a dude who is just very comfortable in his skin, very good at what he does. Mm -hmm. And whenever they brought in Carson Wentz to take over his starting role, his starting position, he handled it like, well, all right, man, that's just how it goes. Because he came from a small school. He was counted out. When he got his opportunity against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the playoffs a couple years back, he showed up and we're like, holy hell, is this guy the next guy? He's done well for the commanders. He's done well for the Washington football team. They just weren't set on him being the future after he has more and more and more and more and more success. Then you see him on a play ride last night home he's fucking iced out with the boys with some glasses two two watches and a chain on with some bush lights in his hand i mean you tell me this looks like a guy who's beloved by his teammates this looks like a guy that wins a lot of games mm-hmm. and it looks like a guy who probably sent carson wentz into retirement at some point yeah. right i'm not saying that because of any of our relationships with carson wentz we like carson wentz as a person we saw carson wentz here as an indianapolis colt his playing style was certainly a roller coaster one but they have success when heineke's playing they don't have success whenever anybody else is playing i don't know how you look at that team going forward and don't say this guy should be our guy but it is the washington commanders they are up for sale who knows what the next regime will be thinking but we'll be talking to taylor heineke in about an hour and 15 minutes from now in two hours from this exact moment, we'll be talking to Aaron Rodgers, who's preparing for a Thursday night matchup against the Tennessee Titans. He'll be live from the Green Bay Packers practice facility in Lambeau, I believe. Is mm. that where they practice? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Do they? They drive down the street. There's- Join- joining us on stage, host of In the Trenches, uh, A.Q. Shipley. Uh, Ty Schmidt, obviously one member of the talk stable, about to give us that answer there. Do they practice at Lambeau? Is that where he's No, there's done? a facility, though, like, you know, right next to Lambeau. But I, I think he, uh, when he does the interviews, like, in season, like he has in the past, I believe that is from the stadium. Okay, so Aaron Rodgers will be live from Lambeau, joining us two hours from right now. It'll be a shorter conversation than our mm-hmm. usual Aaron Rodgers Tuesdays, because today... Is a work day for them. They kick off week 11 of the NFL season on Thursday, and I can't wait to see how it goes at Boston. Connor, what were your thoughts on the game last night between the Commanders and the Eagles? I mean, we all knew Devontae Smith was going to score. That was awesome. Happy birthday to him. Happy birthday to us for winning money off of that. That conversation happened yesterday after the show went off the air, and we apologize for not having it live on air. (laughs) Mm -hmm. There are some things that do slip past the goalie, which is our team kind of accruing information off of the Internet every single day whenever we go into this. After the show ended, Bruce Brown 
brought up the Boston Connor. Hey, uh, did you see uh, they just posted a happy birthday to Devontae Smith and he's 24 years old. And then Connor, immediately going from Bruce, comes right, literally walks right up to me and goes, Devontae Smith's birthday, uh, two plus touchdowns plus 1,700. Yep. Like and I'm like, what is just one touchdown? <laughs> And it was plus 200. So we started talking about it. Sirianni, okay, the type of guy he is. Of course. Let's assume he's going to want somebody to score on their birthday because he'd be like, I, I want to score on my birthday. Yeah, that's right. So happy it's only right. Happy birthday. It would be good. What's the best birthday present we give Devontae? A win. Scoring touchdowns and a win. Yeah, what's the second best uh, birthday present we can give Devontae? Getting into the end zone. Pay dirt. They're going to score. <laughs> birthday tutty? I mean, that <laughs> yes. is. Yeah. Imagine him actually. I can hear him saying yes. all those things in the offensive meeting the night before the game. So I was like, yeah, max, 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 max bet on this. He ends up scoring late in the game, fourth quarter. Happy he did that. Quick, I've hit a couple $15,000 bets here the last couple of days. I have yeah. lost a few bets, Super Boost being one of them. But when Devontae Smith caught this ball, he had a couple that he was going to break free, too, and he got tripped up. It felt like they were targeting him a lot. I don't know if it's because it's his birthday because he's Devontae. Dante Smith, nonetheless, they were targeting him. Not so much A.J. Brown, who might have got hurt. And that leads us to A.Q. Shipley, a man who's a Super Bowl champion, a coach, and a player. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, at some point, we're going to probably lose. There's only been one team in the history of the NFL that has gone undefeated from bell to bell, and that's the 1972 Dolphins. Less games, less teams, less, less athletic. I mean, there's a lot of things we could say about them, but they still pop bottles every year. Congrats yeah. to them. Congrats, Dolphins. Thank you for being trailblazers, setting precedent. I assume they popped bottles last mm-hmm. night in celebration down in Miami, as they should have. But the Philadelphia Eagles are going to lose at some point. Why was it against the Commanders, you think? What did you see on the Eagles team? That is, does it alarm you, or does it make you feel good about it? This man has been a coach and a player, center, which we know could just get dropped into head coaching positions sure. at any time. That's right. No and win. AQ, what are your thoughts no on why the Eagles lost last night? Was it more the Commanders, or was it more Eagles, or are we worried going forward? Probably a little bit of both, but the biggest thing that I saw was time of possession was huge, right? How do you keep an electric offense down? We keep them off the field, right? That's the first thing. Second thing, maybe the most underrated, I know we talk about it, I know other people talk about it, Payne and Jonathan Allen are a problem. You throw in sweat in there as well, like, and now they're getting Chase Young back. That defensive line can cause problems every week, and they did again last night. They made a ton of plays, couldn't really get the run game going. And time of possession took over. So you can wreck games with the D-line, any D-line. Even if you put a D-line that isn't – if you put a great D-line on a team that maybe isn't that fantastic, they can cover up for it, right? Because as long as the ball didn't get past them, we're, we're okay. Think about every meeting you've ever been in with a head coach. The game wrecker is always on the D-line, is it not? Yes. It always is. Yes. So it's either the three-tech or the D-end, right? It's always that. They got two guys on the inside that are stout as can be, maybe two of the most underappreciated players. They're studs in the middle. That's a very good offensive line. Dickerson was having a ton of problems with Allen all night long. I mean, that, it, it, they wrecked the game. It was awesome. Do you worry about the Eagles going forward? Is this a blueprint now for Jeff Saturday to yeah. put into yeah. place? First, we got D-Buck, Grover Stewart. Wide. Wide. A lot of other guys on that D-line <laughs> yeah, that really yeah. get after it. Yeah. You know, is that a, are the Eagles in trouble this upcoming week? Don't let Jeff Saturday. No. Hey. Do not let Jeff Saturday in his first home game, Lucas Oil Stadium. Oh game God. sold out, by the way. Game is sold out. Wow. Do you think game would have been sold out? Jeff Saturday is not the head coach? Absolutely not. I would assume not. I would assume that is not the case. Jeff Saturday sold that fucking place out. The win this past weekend over the Raiders sold that place out. So it's going to be a tough environment for this Philadelphia Eagles squad. I think the Indianapolis Colts fans will probably be a bit more uh, active during games than they maybe were during the Frank Reich era, just strictly because Jeff Saturday is a little bit more – now, I think he was swimming in it. 
Yeah. I think he was swimming in the first game. He was still trying to figure out where the fuck to put this thing. Right. And uh-huh. there was a couple of things where he was like, explain. I think, you know, on the tablet, he was trying to look at it, where he was doing that at, where he will probably do it in the future because he was on camera at the time. And, you know, he's going to have to figure out his game stuff. I think the crowd's going to be. Hey, oh, yeah. I think the crowd is going to bring it for Jeff Saturday and the Colts this weekend. Do you think that's a problem for the Eagles going forward? Is that a blueprint or is that just an anomaly, you think? I, and I don't, I really can't answer that. I don't know, but I do know that. If there is a defense that could copy that blueprint, it's this defense. Those guys inside are awesome, good linebackers. And then the key is, is on offense, sustaining drives. And now you got Matt Keep Ryan back at quarterback. The yeah. Keep them run off the, the field. That's the biggest thing. You got to run the ball. You got to take time off the clock. Keep Jalen Hurts and all those weapons off the field. So we still have massive respect for what the Eagles are probably going to go on to do. There's no doubt. And, and, We've talked about this a bunch. The biggest issue with teams like that that have such a identity is when they get behind, can they change their identity and now become a drop-back pass team when they're mostly play-action, RPO, run the ball? Colts are winning Super Bowl, so I just heard. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like I mean, not to mention this weekend is an extra bonus. This is a Colts fans' revenge game because the Eagles gave the Colts Carson Wentz, and we know they're not and over Frank that Frank. Well, Frank Wright, Frank uh, Carson Wentz, yeah. and we, we sent back a couple good picks, you know, because Carson's so damn tough, yeah. he didn't miss any plays. Last night's game, though, I think was very fascinating because as we're rolling into the season here, we're going to see some more, and, and I think we naturally have the thought that as you get to Week 10 going into Week 11, teams are who who they are. Oh, right? yeah. And then we start looking at records a little bit more, like, look at this team's record versus this team's record, and we're naturally going to be like, oh, this team is much better. There's a lot of surprising losses that are ahead right now. There's a lot of teams that we think are fucking terrible that are going to beat a good team, Mm -hmm. and we're going to have a full conversation of, is this team dead? It's like just week to week. I'm not saying you don't know who's going to be there because these are professionals and teams should show up. But looking, there's going to be some spoilers that come in out of nowhere. Jacksonville Jaguars knocked the Indianapolis Colts out of the playoffs last year out of nowhere. We had like 10 Mm -hmm. Pro Bowlers or something. The team, we were a very good squad, and then boom, out of nowhere, we get knocked out of the playoffs. With the way the records are right now, especially in the AFC, you're going to see some heartbreak coming up over the next few weeks. I'm not saying that was last night for the Eagles. The Eagles suffered their first loss. It was inevitably going to come anyways in a modern NFL that we're in with the parity that we have in the NFL. But there's going to be losses that are lying ahead that we're definitely going to overreact to that we should now be kind of looking ahead and saying, hey, this might happen. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, your team might be one of those teams that does that to a team this year, and that's a surprising thing because you're the New England fucking Patriots, Connor. Yeah, and the AFC playoff picture won't be set until you know Week 18 wraps mm-hmm. up because when you look at the AFC East and the division, I believe we play uh, Miami Week 18 or, or one of the division teams, and the Bills play the other division opponent. Like that conference will kind of set what those wild card spots are going to be. And you mentioned it with teams beat bad teams beating good teams in the end. The Raiders might go on and beat the Chiefs on this back half of the season just because it's a division game and they play them so well. And I don't want to say this because Jeff Saturday obviously is undefeated. Mm-hmm. His only win comes against the Las Vegas Raiders. Sure. Mm-hmm. But I was very happy for our team to get that win. Now, is that strictly because Jeff? No. I think it's because like you look at that team, it's like, this team should be good. Good team. Why are they not good? AQ, you've got to coach here, and I'm excited to hear your take on Jeff Saturday now that he is – was he – he was announced as coach when you were here, right, last week? Yeah. He was announced as coach whenever mm-hmm. – or was that uh, – was it, it was the day before? Day before. Yeah. It was on Monday. It was on Monday. Parks, yes. Parks got named the offensive coordinator when I was The here. day you were yeah. here, yeah, yeah, and he called a hell, hell of a game. game. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff, Saturday <laughs> said, Jeff Saturday said at one point there was a moment early where – 
Parks asked Jeff to, for a play or whatever, and Jeff was like, hey, don't ask me, man. Just make your fucking. He <laughs> didn't say that, but Jeff was like, hey, have conviction. Yeah. Have, just do your Trust thing. It. And it was awesome to watch them celebrate in there. But why do you think Jeff had success? Why do you think that uh, like some coaches aren't having success? For instance, Brandon Marshall was on Up and Adams, and he talked about Josh McDaniels not being fit to be a head coach. And if you strictly look at how he's done whenever he's left the nest of the New England Patriots, there's a, there's a compelling argument to say, like, yeah, Josh McDaniels, not a good head coach. Now, will Josh McDaniels say that? No. I'm sure he will have a bunch of reasons on why it hasn't worked. And those are valid from his perspective. But is there a reason why some guys just aren't good head coaches and some guys maybe are just good head coaches in your humble coach player opinion, A.Q. Shipley? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing that we so quickly forget is that it's hard to win in this league. And then you also take a look. Talked about this yesterday, how nobody celebrates anymore. AJ talked about Aaron being happy, Mm -hmm. or Tom being happy after a win. And AJ was like, I was happy for Tom for being happy Mm -hmm. because you're supposed to be happy whenever you win a game. Like, you're supposed to be happy, but most people just get relieved by it, and it's like, on to the next one. But all all the conversation is, it's so hard to win a game. We should should remember that. People should be more happy, I think, whenever they win the fucking NFL. Coaches inevitably make wins feel like losses. You've been in locker rooms like that. Hell, we went fucking 13 and three one year and i felt like every game was a loss it's like jesus man like what we, we just doing? fucking won 41 to 7 what is <laughs> happening here like oh you guys got a game ball take that game ball and shove it up your ass like, <laughs> you know what i mean like so it's it, there's so many things that we we forget that winning is hard one the other thing is there's such a small minute difference between what the Raiders are right now, and maybe another team that's six and three or seven and two, whatever. Because if you look at the Raiders, they've lost all of their games for the most part by one score. They've had one blowout, obviously, I think, mm-hmm. whatever it was. But New Orleans. There, there's a lot of them that were one score games. So the difference between them being six and three or seven and two is very small. It's, you just and, and as fan bases in this league, there's no patience whatsoever. And it's yeah, like, but what can a coach do? What can a coach do? Because like it feels like uh, there's some teams that will win those games, and then there's some teams mm-hmm. that just lose those games. Is that the coach? Is that the players? Yeah, is, it, is it the football gods? What like honestly? What do you think? It's it probably is? a combination of all. I don't think you can put one blame any one place on any of that stuff. I think when you look at that, the the easy blame is hey, let's put it all on McDaniel's. Let's put it all on him, right? But Maybe if another player makes a play here, if a defensive player gets a strip sack here, boom, game's over. Whatever it may be, there's there's five plays if in a corner, every game. And so from what we learned um, from D-Butt and uh, everything DB tomorrow, if a corner is lined up two feet to his left as opposed to two feet to his right, and because he did that, now he's able to get picked, and boom, it's a 70-yard touchdown or a 55-yard touchdown out of nowhere, and that's the reason why the game is turned. It's crazy to think how close these fucking games are and how close these teams are, but I think every time we watch the film, that's almost what I get shown. Like A guy takes a guy in, in the trenches will just do one of these for a second, and then, boom, mm-hmm. gone. Talk That's back. the game winner. Everything you did for the rest of the game does not fucking matter because you accidentally went, mm, as opposed to just staying square with yeah. that whole thing. It's crazy, the NFL. That's why what the fucking Patriots were able to do for 20 years is so impressive because of how much, I don't want to say luck is involved, but almost like on the plays that matter, it going your way as opposed to somebody else's. It's fucking incredible to think about winning teams and losing teams and how much luck is involved in it. Yeah, I mean, look at the Vikings, you know? 
Kirk Cousins gets stuffed on the goal line, and then on the next play, Josh Allen fumbles in the end zone, and now it's it's you know like that. And they, I don't want to say they've been super lucky, but good teams like the bounces just roll their way. That's the way it goes sometimes. And in terms of the coaching, do you think any of it is like with Jeff Saturday? Like he he's a CEO. He's not like a lot of these coaches now are offensive guys, and it seems like they don't know what the hell is going on on defense. Like they're calling plays. All of their time and effort is put in onto the offensive side of the ball. So they're basically an offensive coordinator who is the de facto head coach, whereas you see some of these guys who are like, yeah, Bill you know, is, is an unbelievable defensive coordinator, probably the best ever, but he still has a hand in the offense. He knows what's going on. It seems like a lot of these newer guys now, they're just on one side of the ball, and yeah. it kind of they just whatever isn't their specialty, it's kind of like, hey, well, they got to go figure that out. Head in a call sheet almost. Yeah, you know? exactly. And I think Lombardi talks about that. Michael Lombardi of the Lombardi line, the GM shuffle, the daily coach, uh, TED Talks. Mm-hmm. couple books, Super Bowl bestsellers. Uh, Super Bowl champion, bestseller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he's talking about people's head in a play sheet whenever right. like something else is happening, like when the defense is on the field, like you're still trying to figure it out. And when you get in there, and Jeff Saturday said, I'm spending 85% of my time with the offense side of the ball because that's what I know and I'm in the meetings. But he did say, like, Gus comes to me. He'll mm-hmm. tell me what the plan is. He'll ask for my opinion. We'll figure it out. Then we get going. I think that's the right way to kind of monitor things. Now, Sean McVay had success. Right. Right. Sean McVay had success. He got to the Super Bowl, loses to the Patriots in mm-hmm. a bad fashion, yep. gets back to the Super Bowl, wins the Super Bowl. Now, they have completely falling apart it appears over there in los angeles and cooper cup out two to three weeks whatever it's going to be maybe even more with the injury he's got four weeks i guess he's definitely out if he goes to ir or whatever so they're falling apart but it does feel like if you vrabes look at vrabes he's running coach of the year right he's a defensive genius we can assume he's a defensive genius we can assume vrabes is one of those type of savants has touchdowns as well so he understands the offense but he's kind of overseeing everything he's the ceo yeah and they're kind of ready to go it feels like that might be the right answer is that there in your in your opinion do you think that's the right way to go about it because you have to pay attention to everything you have to have your eyes on everything and maybe if you have eyes on everything you can catch something that is maybe out of sorts much quicker than if you were only dealing with one particular thing yeah i think i think you can definitely point to that but you look at Andy Reid and he's in between series and he's over there Mm -hmm. next to Mahomes he's doing this it's all offense but one thing I will say I played for Andy Andy was so good at the details especially in practice leading up to weeks like I was a young player with Andy and I'd be sitting back there I'm a backup at the time and he would just do one of these things hey what's protection you know what I mean like it was it was always trying to catch somebody not fucking dialed in Always. So focus, making you focus on No doubt. Yeah, I mean, I watched him. Deshaun Jackson, stud, right? Like, I watched him like he didn't have his uh, practice jersey tucked in, sent him in. Like, just little details. Which, I didn't know Andy Reid was like that. I didn't know it was a tuck-in operation. Oh, yeah. It? Big time. Practice, big tuck-in, look he, professional. Absolutely. And everybody's going to look the exact tight, same Tight model. jerseys, got your names on the back. They look like game jerseys. You practice like you play. You wear the same shit. You know, a lot of... Indianapolis, whenever we played, they were the loose jerseys, right? Yeah. He's big on having the tight jerseys, so you get used to playing in the shit you're doing. And he's a big detail-oriented guy who always yeah. quizzing guys. Huh. That, feels right? like, that feels like what? a great play. Yeah, I guess because he eats cheeseburgers, the media loves him. And some people don't like other great coaches and think that even though they're second all-time in wins, that maybe they're shitty coaches. But that's the same thing with Belichick. Belichick hasn't okay. called So defensive. he just referenced something yeah. that 32,000 people saw that I saw. 32,300 <laughs> people when I saw the video said – He's talking about LaShawn McCoy. Mm-hmm. Oh, plenty of them. I mean, I would like to let you know, though, in the line. We are big fans of Shady around here. We are. Yeah. Big, big fans. Big fans, too. Both as, uh, you know, I think he's awesome on camera. Mm-hmm. I think he's hilarious. On the field, though, 
Dude, change the game. Wait, he hey, runs? St- stop carrying the ball like that. Yeah. Stop carrying the ball like that. Uh, how about as soon as I lose it one time, you can fucking talk to me. Yeah. Until then, <laughs> fucking scram, dude, basically is what Shady said. He was fantastic, and on TV, he's fantastic. He was on Up and Adams on FanDuel TV, and he gave he gave quite a promo about uh, Bill Belichick is Rex Ryan, Marvin Lewis, uh-huh. and Andy Reid without Tom Brady. Let's yeah. not even let's not even get crazy. It was two minutes straight, mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. Kay Adams sat in the pocket. Kay Kay jousted. I mean, yeah. Kay, and he seemingly had an answer for everything. He felt. I think pretty strong. Now, he was teammates with Tom. He won won a Super Bowl with Tom Brady, I believe, and he got to see the way Tom works. But he did say Bill Belichick just, what are we even talking about here? I just don't see it. I just don't see it with Tom Brady. I'm like, damn, I didn't know people actually felt that way. People do feel that way. And listening to him, I was like, I makes a compelling. I don't know if we're going to get him off of his case and feeling that ever. I didn't know that was a common thing that people thought. Is it? I don't think it is. Remember last year, I mean, leading up to Patriots Bucks, I mean, people were drawing lines in the sand, whether they thought it was Brady or whether it was Belichick. And a lot of defensive guys, Ninkovich, Teddy Bruschi, a lot of those guys, obviously, team Belichick, a lot of the offensive guys, Amendola, if you remember, he came out and talked about how it's all Brady. But I mean, you take away any of the great coaches. You take away their best player, yeah, they're not as successful. You know, when Andy Reid's done, are we going to say, yeah, but he had Patrick Mahomes, and so he wasn't that great of a coach because he couldn't win without Patrick Mahomes? Like, that's just not fair. Sorry that, you know, Brady and Belichick and Belichick drafted Brady, that Andy Reid traded up and drafted Mahomes. Like, that's what great coaches do. If they see someone who's really good, they play him. And one thing that never gets talked about with Belichick and Brady that, you know, we talked a lot about with Man in the Arena was, paid Bledsoe $100 million, Tom Brady's a rookie quarterback, and Belichick decides to start Tom Brady in the fucking Super Bowl after Bledsoe comes back and leads the team to victory over the Steelers. Tony, that was not supposed to be a shot, in the AFC Championship after Brady got hurt. And then he still decides, you know what, no, we'll have Brady you know, play in the biggest stage as a rookie after paying a guy, you know, $100 million, which is the first of... Which would never happen. Which would never happen. It never happen with any other place. So you got to talk about that. He was also GM, I think, and head coach, Mm -hmm. right? So he's able to make those types of decisions, which are normally, I'm sure, pretty heated arguments and debates Mm -hmm. on who wants what. But I think he's won so much, you just have to say he's a good coach because how hard it is to win in the NFL and how how consistently he's done it and how much time he has invested to the sport. Like... Not only is a head coach, everybody talks about the mis. I mean, we heard a lot about it whenever Jeff got ha- handed the head coaching That's role right. of the Indianapolis Colts because he didn't do all this stuff. Coaching takes up so much time of your life, whether you need it to happen or not. It's just kind of this is how it is. And we heard a lot of this is how it is last week whenever Jeff Saturday got hired from the coaching ranks. Like, hey, this is how it is. You're just there all day. Then you add on top, he has to negotiate with people. And he's also shaping the roster and building the roster and handling scouting departments and everything yeah. like that. The amount of time that he has put into the sport of football, I just think just by that sake, like, thank you for what you've done for the game and committing your entire being to a league and to a sport. Like, I think that's they say something. To have two decades of success whenever a lot of teams have not been able to carry success longer than five, six years in that entire run or just in the history. Everybody has, like, a good five-year run, a good six-year run. Nobody's really able to continue to do it for 4X that, which is what he was able to do. So there's some sort of greatness. But what everything LaShawn said, though, yeah. <laughs> everything LaShawn McCoy said, though, it was hard not to be like, oh, I could see why you would feel the way that you feel. And it's a fascinating argument and conversation that's going to take place 
forever, mm-hmm. literally in the football world. Also, some people don't talk about when you've been coaching that long, like he's had to evolve with the times, like as the NFL has changed and evolved, like he's had to evolve as well. And we see a lot of guys who had a bunch of success. And then when the league kind of changes and things change, like they don't have success anymore because they don't know how to evolve when things are changing in the league. And Bill's been able to do that every single time the league has changed, the rules have changed. Like that doesn't get talked about a lot. And that's a big part of it. I still think, uh, I think there's a young crop of head coaches that are going to be real good. Yeah. For a long time. Like how long is Rabe's coach for? You think? How long, how long you think? Forever. Right. You think as long as he wants to. Yeah. I mean, his, his resume is proven. I mean, he'll, if things start to go south there, People will jump at that. Yeah, D coordinator if he has to. I mean, I think head coach. I mean, well, he's done such an amazing job. Yeah, depending sure. on how it ends. For sure. But would um, the coaching world is an interesting one. Yeah. And we're in yeah. the middle of it right now with Jeff Saturday. But like MCDC, it's every other week. Detroit oh. wants to extend him mm-hmm. or get rid of him. Get him out. And that's like his life now that he signed up for for the next however many years he's in Detroit. It's hilarious, actually. Fans go crazy. They all love him now, but two weeks ago they absolutely hated his guts, had to fire him. Who do you guys got this weekend? Uh, we play the Giants in New York. Oh, but It'd be a good battle. Spread oh, yeah. is kind of weird. It's only three and a half points right now. Yeah, I saw that. What's that all about? People uh, just don't respect Giants Dable. Giants aren't really good. Whoa. 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 Okay, Tone. Oh. Tone digs, one half oh. of the hammer. Dad. Cowboys is here. Tone, uh, before you dive into your thought <laughs> on the Giants or, or coaching, we have to talk about last night because something happened in gambling that people are going to have to be um, yeah. probably given a little bit more of an explanation into. I, too, uh, am learning of this mm. as it goes because you don't really um, – you know, I feel like you don't really understand or get the grasp of something until you have to experience it. Last night we experienced an under on receiving yards for Devontae Smith yep. in which it was a annexation of Puerto Rico yep. play where he was lateraled the ball uh, after a completion has already been created. So Jalen Hurts throws a rock completion. Hook and ladder, we're running it. Devontae Smith got the ball at the 15. He got rid of it at about the 11. Uh, he ends up going down in the record books for minus four yards or whatever the hell it is. Minus 10 yards, I think. Yes, yeah. Because that's where the ball was originally yes. received right yes. so from where the ball was originally received to where Devonte smith after getting the lateral threw the ball uh to a teammate which then caused a defensive touchdown the over had already hit but if this would have caused the over you're talking about a twofer with Devonte's receiving yards going under on a lateral and then the over hitting the overhead already hit so that's not something but 10 yards allegedly is what he lost here receiving yards yeah. from going over to under people lost money on this oh, i yeah. think last yes. night a lot of people did do you want to explain that and kind of dive into that a little bit yeah. more there was tickets on that of people who had uh, his over as far as receiving yards which i believe was 53 and a half i yes. think and he was at 55 um and this is like this play is just an absolute disaster and it's it's kind of why um when they were flirting with the uh, instead of kicking off, having like the fourth and 15 or whatever play, like this would be a lot of these situations where it is. So like in that situation, say the, the football team was favored there and they were covering by three and a half. And they, like that always happens. That end of the play toss around is always a situation for the total, for the side. And then now, now that prop bets have become more and more popular where Quez Watkins uh, catches the ball and then the laterals start happening. And I believe... When so because Watkins got credit for the yardage for the catch, and then as soon as it goes to Devonta, he gets the negative yards. It's a whole wild situation. 
Uh, and it's and it's terrible. Like that uh, is a terrible way absurd. to lose. That is a terrible way to lose a bet. And you compound that on the reason why the Eagles lost last night. A lot of people had Eagles money line in a lot of parlays yep. as well. <laughs> and I'm not saying this is why they lost, but a reason the Commanders certainly won was because of a hit on a uh, quarterback. That is uh, interesting. Very, very interesting. <laughs> yeah. So if you look at the end of this particular game here, in this play, and uh, obviously we'll take that down to get the exacts on this, 26-21, 145 left, okay? 26-21, 145 left. And remember, the Eagles were going to score. Cuzzy fumbles the yep. rock uh, after getting up. He was going to go score. Completely different game. If he scores oh, yeah. there after a fumble, instead he fumbles, ball comes back the other way. 145 left, 26 21. Philadelphia Eagles have proven that they can move the ball as of this particular time mm -hmm. period at home. Could be a monumental staple. Philadelphia Eagles adversity, we still get a win when we shouldn't have probably got one because of how the game went. Yeah. Run the play. Taylor Heineke, instead of running the ball and running some more clock, they were going to throw it, maybe put a little death in this thing on third down. He kneels, and then Brandon Graham hits <laughs> oh, him late. Boy. And the white hat says 15 yards. Taylor Heineke says, thank you. First down. They only have one timeout. Less than a minute 40 on the clock. This is over. Now, if we were to watch this, we would uh, immediately think to ourselves, with the game on the line for a team to win, this call can't be how a game is decided yeah. but you go back keep go back to the uh uh like the side view of that thing the slow motion one there but if you look at this boom right here so if you look at this go ahead and press play as soon as his knee goes a pause look how far away dude is yeah okay yeah. Brandon Graham is very far away from Heineke. Now, this is an awkward-looking kneel down. He could have slid. He could have done something else. It's a weird thing for Heineke to do at the time he was trying to do. He's trying to stay inbounds, doesn't want to throw it away, mm -hmm. wants the clock to keep moving or them to spend a timeout. But the way he went about taking a knee, certainly awkward. We'll talk to him in about 50 minutes, and we will certainly ask him about why this particular knee of choice and why this is how he decided to want down, uh, go down as opposed to any other way. But Brandon Graham, Pretty far away. I mean, pretty, pretty far, pretty far away at this point. Press play. One, two, three, four. I mean, yeah. The Reddick one was fine too. Like, so, see, he's like six yards away. Yeah. Whenever Heineke's knee gets down to where he was standing, and the refs, I don't think they blew a whistle as fast as they maybe could have because I think of how awkward his knee went down. So I don't think, like, the call can be a call that wins a game, just like what happened when the Colts and the Chiefs played and uh, Chris Jones said something rude to Matt Ryan <laughs> right, on the last drive in the fourth quarter, and it was uh, 15 yards, first down, Colts go down, score, win, beat the fucking Chiefs. Like, we thought that was egregious, even though we were on the, I was on the positive side of that. Thought that can't have that win the game. Mm -mm. This wins the game for yeah. the commander. So a lot of people are going to be upset about that. But also, he's like six yards away whenever the knee goes down. Do you think Brandon Graham just didn't expect this to be the kneel? Do you think he was confused by what was going on? What do you think, AQ? Yeah, defensive players are taught to play to the whistle. There was a late whistle, if a whistle at all, before that. And... I think the other thing that's interesting, I didn't, I didn't even realize yeah. this, but if Graham doesn't hit him, does he fall this way and now it's on Reddick? They're going to they're gonna call that or is that? I don't think they're No, I think he was close he was enough. Fine. Yeah. I think he was, he was close fine. enough. Yeah, I think so. So they're saying late hit on that. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. I mean, by the letter of the law, yes, that is, you know, because he gives himself up. But also, like. It's weird. For Brandon Graham, you know, 
he's coming in and he gives himself up. I, he, I don't think he's looking at Hassan Reddick like, oh, he's got him down. Like he's still, you know, if he he's looking at the quarterback, so he's assuming, hey, yeah, he gave himself up, but I still have to go in and touch him, you know, and like. It's it's like kind of one of those. I don't think you have to touch him if he gives himself up. If, if a guy takes a knee, I don't think you have to touch him. But I think it was such a weird go back to it uh, again. It was such a weird way of going down. Like I don't think Graham was expecting Taylor Heineke just to fall in this particular fashion. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can press play. Like it's he makes a cut. Uh, no, I'm down. Like it's a weird jump down thing. Clearly giving himself up, though. Yeah, but if he, if, he goes, if he goes down to the ground there and doesn't stay in this double knee position, correct, well, and his head's down, you still would have to touch him down, would you not? No, I think it's if you give yourself up, take a knee, I think, right? Because yeah, he takes a knee. Yeah, That's what I'm saying, but I'm saying, like, if you're Brandon Graham. He takes see, a knee. I think that is why it's such a big thing because. That doesn't look like a knee to me. A knee is what you see when a quarterback. Exactly. Goes back. It's a weird fucking like yeah. kickoffs people used to do it for touchbacks, like the way you would uh-huh. give the way he went about doing this yeah. is one of the because if he slides, you have to touch him, right? Yeah. Yes. Slide, you have to touch him. Yeah. Uh no. Yeah, well, no. But up. if he falls, like that's what I'm saying, like if his shoulder goes to the ground here and he falls head first, not feet first, you would have to touch him down. All right, let's go back to the beginning. Let's run this thing back a little bit again. Well, and even with that. Go all the way back to the beginning. You can go all the way back to the beginning. That's awkward, too, because remember, they lost the Packers game because he gave himself up before running the ball in. Good play. Clearly, just I mean, he gives himself up for yeah. sure. I mean, it is it is such an interesting thing. I think the timing of it is what makes everybody upset about it. I can't believe that's how they win the game. That is how they win the game. But Brandon Graham, who's obviously in the heat of the moment here, mm-hmm. yeah. third down, minute something left, you're down five, got to get a stop. Great football player. We're not saying anything about it. But there's also, like if you're a Commanders fan, you're saying he was six yards away whenever the guy's – I mean, six, six yards is a long time. That, yeah. That's a – that's a lot of time to potentially stop. Heineke gives a good sell. We'll talk to Taylor in about, uh, what is that, 45 minutes or so yep. to see his take on it. Because as soon as he goes done, he goes, okay, thank you so much. That's the first down. See you later. Keep it moving. That guy's a leader. That guy's a winner. Yeah. He's chained up and iced out on the plane after oh, that. That's still, that's your, like, that's bullshit the game ends that way. It's it just is. bullshit. It's tough. Can't throw a flag. I mean, that one's not as Cannot. bad as the face mask. Yeah, the face mask is one that people are talking about. It needs to be a reviewable call yes. uh, because they're thinking that sports books are, are cooking the books with these refs mm-hmm. for these calls because face mask, obviously, 15 yards, big deal. I mean, it's a huge call at the timing in which it was called. But that is becoming the conversation now with a lot of people online because the refs have had a rough week. This week was rough for the refs. Yeah, might we- be their worst. I think so. I honestly believe so. Fourth quarter, you know, whenever you're – oh, this is tough, too, because there's a clear – there's a clear grip. Yeah, that's so obvious. So you should be able to challenge that, obviously. Yeah. You should be able to get that. You can't. But I see the internet has become very loud about the NFL rigging games and refs rigging games. I'd like to let everybody know that I don't know how that would be good for either party. I don't know how the NFL would benefit long term when you're talking about like trillions of dollars or how the sports books would, gamble, or would benefit long term when you're talking trillions of dollars it's like whenever you get to a point of getting a certain amount of money are you just going to want to fucking kill it so you don't get to this amount i think with the way sports books or brains are and with nfl brains are i think they would want to build this up long before they would start rigging the game i just if we're thinking just from a, oh they would do that standpoint let's give them a little bit more credit and assume that they would do it 
and they would wait until it was mm-hmm. a much larger yes. piece of the pie. They're still very much in the incubacy, incubacy, incub- incubation, incubation period of the sports gambling. Only 18 states have it legal, uh, mobilized gambling. So that is only going to grow and grow. I don't know if they just want a first year where it's illegal. All right, let's fucking ruin it. Let's rig these games with these sports books. I think if they were to do that, and let's just assume that people believe that they're uh, they're willing to they're the type of people that are willing to do that. It takes a certain person to be willing to do that on a product that you own and on a product that you do business with or a product that you work in. It would take, but I think if they were to be that type of person, they would want it to be much bigger. So that, I think that is my counter argument to people that think it's happening. If you do think it's happening, you think the people are willing to do it. Well, then you got to give them at least a little bit more credit that they would wait for it to be much bigger mm-hmm. before they fucking do it. Now, on the flip side, I don't think they could do that just strictly because unless the players are getting paid and unless the coaches are getting, everybody would have to get a piece mm-hmm. of that to be in there. Yes. And how many people know the secret and are, are going to be able to keep that that would kill the biggest league in the world yeah. and kill one of the biggest businesses in the world that is currently blooming so i'm not a believer in that but there's some shit happening with refs that have people thinking that and that's never good and that is a officiating issue that we have to get fixed but i don't know if we'll ever be able to it has to get fixed i mean this this is not okay especially like a play like that you cannot decide as many games that have been decided based on your feelings getting hurt by somebody saying something to you or a play that is clearly not malicious. <laughs> and to everybody else, it's a little fucking confusing on what he did. Like I said, his shoulder goes down right that there. That was a weird. That yeah, was, it was a awkward. weird. It's awkward. It's confusing. So, like, you cannot, especially in the magnitude of that fucking moment of that game, you cannot make that. So, you know, like, NHL refs would be like, come on. Like, don't the NHL refs kind of have a little bit more say? But then <laughs> them having a little bit more leeway, then people are saying, well, oh, then it's rigged. Mm-hmm. The other, I mean, it's like a, it's a no-win situation. You just have to hope that you get better officials, I the, think. The problem with what you're saying about the rigging thing is you're using logic, and these internet booger eaters whose bets are losing... <laughs> And uh, right. like these are the same. That's they're saying it's rigged because their bets are losing. They're also saying it's rigged. Like they're the same people who want their money back last night because Devonta Smith uh, over yards went under because of a bad beat or whatever. Can I understand that? It's fucking game. I can understand the Devonte one being upset about no, that. No, no, no. There's a couple other ones like annexation of Puerto Rico where throwback touchdown hits the over and everybody's mm-hmm. like, oh, this is bullshit. It's like, no, nah, that's, that's part, gambling, that's that's part of gambling. Like, J- just like the Devonte thing is part of gambling. But I think what people are going to learn, and, and this is what Tone's getting at, is hey, sports books are going to be right a lot. Yeah. They are going to. The book is going to be right. That's why we're playing against them. Yeah. Tough gamble. We're trying to beat them. And I just want to let you know. And on the flip side, mm-hmm. They're trying to beat us, yeah. too. Chandeliers. They, they don't some, hang themselves. They got a themselves. lot of chandeliers. No, it's mobilized, and I think they're just in offices, but they have the finest of uh, the <laughs> microwaves in yeah. those kitchens, yeah. in those offices. And so I, I, I understand why people are perturbed by sports gambling getting in to these big leagues. But I think we have to have a little bit more faith that if that was happening, how quickly everything would crumble. There is circumstances mm-hmm. and there is things that potentially happen if you do this. The NFL knows that. Sports gambling knows that. And it's not good long term for either of them. And that is how these types of people think. The officials issue, and we haven't dove into it much this year. Not at all. I will let everybody know, though, I am not scared to let my thoughts be known on poor officiating. 
Now, every time I talk about poor officiating, I have to give the subtext that nobody wants to be a fucking ref. Why would you want to be a ref? What is? Are you talking about the worst job of all time? Yes. You go into a stadium, nobody is a fan of yours. Nobody's pulling for you. Your family's even helping to get out of there without having to fucking say a thing about being related to you. The power and mental strength it takes to become a ref is one that I don't have and I don't think a lot of people have. The only time you're ever liked is if you fuck over another team and how much you're liked, you're hated by the other team. And guess what? Next week, it's going to be a completely different fan base. And the next time you call a game for this particular team that likes you, you could fucking get them to hate you too just on one particular call. With that being said, have to get better. Have to figure out how to get them full-time, more money, yes. make it better, uh, more appealing for people that are talented officials because the league is going to have to combat this PR battle because people are putting money on all these games. And if their officials are fucking up their league in their game, they're going to have to put a little bit more emphasis on it. So maybe this is something that we need to make the overall of the game better. It's kind of like being president almost. It's like you do everything right and you're still going to alienate half the people. Like <laughs> no matter what you do, it doesn't matter. Half the people, if you call you the best game possible like people are if your team loses you're gonna bitch about the refs anyway you're gonna be able to find three or four plays where it's like hey this was defensive pass interference there was holding. a holding here that yeah. didn't get called you know like that's gonna happen no matter what so it is it's like these guys can call it the perfect game no matter what and they're still gonna have half the people hate them so it's like why the fuck would anyone new want to do this especially if it's not a full-time gig you know like these guys oh you you call a shitty game well what are you gonna do you're you're going back to your law practice where you're a partner it's like hey guess what like that's a little bit more important in your personal personal life than calling a game on Sundays. Yeah, full-time jobs, more money, because all the good refs, all the good refs... Are on TV. They're still a part of the game. Yeah. yeah, they're just getting big TV contracts that are paying them so much more money. They're like, I'd be doing my family a disservice if I didn't choose to go sit in a studio all day Sunday... Everybody likes me. I got all the right answers. Yeah. My kids are pumped that I'm their dad. Uh, my <laughs> wife is allowed to tell her friends that we're married because I'm the authority on it now. I'm getting paid 10x what I was making. I don't have to get booed out of stadiums. I don't have to do any of the travel. Travel's just yep. to one place every single week. Easy. It is such a cush setup for these. But, like, we lose Sterator. Yeah. That's bad for the league. Yes. Yep. Terrible. Bad for the league. Hockey Lee retiring. I think he, did, he didn't do TV. He just retired. Mm -hmm. But I assume if you give him enough money, Hockey Lee maybe uh, lumbers around the field a little bit longer, and he had a little bit of control of the game. And if you offer up more money, maybe more people would be incentivized, former players maybe, to get into officiating. And instead of the the – the bad curse it is to be an official. Maybe it becomes like a desired profession for more people. And I know there's guys that do high school football, and there's these two dudes that were calling the St. X Molar game whenever I went over there with Herb Street to watch Chase Herb Street. Guys' names were uh, Dave and uh, – come on, brain. One of them was Dave. Fuck, if I would have pulled that <laughs> one, that would have been unbelievable. Yeah. They've been calling high school football for 20 years. This is just what they do on Friday mm -hmm. nights. Then they go get wings and drink beer afterwards, mm -hmm. and right. they just love being an Ohio high school official. Like, absolutely love it. But there's a lot of people that do that, and then they're trying to get to, like, a smaller college. Then they're trying to get to a bigger conference. Then they're trying to get to the NFL. There's, like, a whole system to get to the NFL where we're supposed to get the best of the best. I think we'd get a lot better people in the pipeline if they knew that the final destination was one where you could get paid well, full-time job, year-long job, and you're not just going to get cooked for everything you do. I feel like that's a good way to fix it, but once again, that costs a lot of money. But in comparison, not really. It doesn't really cost that much money. Does it cost more money to combat PR 
of how bad and rigged your refs and games are? Uh, or does it just to kind of get better refs in there? I don't know. Also, if there's one thing the NFL can't really use an excuse for, it's like, oh, that, that costs so much money to do. The, it's like you guys are making fucking right. money hand over fist. Like you can afford to pay, you know, 40 refs full time the entire year. Like they can. You think more former players would do it if there was like good money at the end of it? I think former if players it was full time ones. for sure. Better right? hours than coaching. I think former players need to be officiating. I think they have better feel. You probably have a better feel. Could probably see things differently. The biggest issue right now, especially like I mean, you, you oh, this is, is I can't wait. We pissed off the coaches last week with mm-hmm. uh, Jeff Saturday <laughs> taking their job. Yep. Now we're like former players need to take the fucking officials' jobs. <laughs> Listen to us. We apologize to the officials. We think you guys. We we commend it. You just heard everything I just said, so I'm not going to fucking say it again. We understand it's, <laughs> it's not an impossible. Easy. Job. It's an impossible job. I do believe though that that is a potential profession that former players should potentially strive for, and I think they would if there was like a pretty good setup at the end of the day. Like, I think that would be something that people would want to accomplish. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, too, as well, these these referees, these officials are shown buzzwords, right? Like, look for this, look for that. And instead of just watching the whole play, if you can just watch the whole play, I think you can see a lot of more. But what they're doing is they're looking for certain oh, things. Oh, so AQ's saying now the job's uh, much much whoa. easier yeah. than these guys. Whoa, whoa. You're no, saying they overthink it. Well, I think they're they go into these competition committees. They get told this. It's like this. What, what's the points of clarification? Is that yeah, not emphasis. Here? It's all these different things that get put in their head. And when that happens, instead of just watching the play and seeing it, they're looking for certain things, and that that I think is the issue. Hmm. I think that's an issue. Well, can you? What do you think? Should you be able to challenge fifteen yard penalty? I think you should be able to challenge everything. But I am on the wrong side. I get attacked every time I say that so, by a lot of people, not just fans. Players tell me that too. Coaches tell me that. Everybody hates me saying, "I think you should be able to challenge fucking everything." And if you get it right, you keep your challenge. There's no like you need to get them both right to get an extra one. I think you should have two of them for the entire game. You can fucking challenge everything. And let's make them quick. Let's make them expedited. Let's use the fucking jumbotrons that are in every single stadium. Let's have somebody. Uh, yeah, you're right. Go ahead and pick it up. Let's move along and let's make them a bit more efficient. To do that, I think you have to get younger. Here's us once again. Yeah. <laughs> we, are, we are just taking the olds out. We are taking the olds out. I think you've got to get younger, people that are more equipped to handle the technology, the views, the look for things much quicker and more efficient, people that have a lot of confidence. I think people that have been coached up very well, people that aren't scared to make a decision and believe what they see. You know, everybody tells the players, like, hey, trust your eyes, trust your eyes, trust your eyes. I think these refs got to be told the same damn thing whenever they're looking at reviews. Like, hey, trust your eyes. Like, if that was real, let's go with it. If not, let's move on. What are we spending two and a half minutes trying to figure out something that's conclusive? If you have to spend that much time it's not so let's just fucking move on i think they could expedite the process i think you should be able to challenge everything and i think it should be something where we utilize technology to help the refs as opposed to act like the technology is dunking on the refs they're not they're in it together they have fucking how many eight thousand frames a second is that what mm-hmm. AK yep. is mm-hmm. they have eight thousand frames a second right here and then your eyes just can't sorry about it until we figure out a new human body your eyes can't do what this fucking camera can do so if we can get the call exactly right quickly let's go ahead and use that as your tag team partner as opposed to a corrector and i just think the xfl had it yes the the last xfl had it not the first xfl this last xfl had it with the xbox review system where the person was quick confident talking it out like i see what you saw there but the ball was actually out before he went down it is dallas crew ball yeah, renegades. It? Renegades ball at the 37 or something. Then boom, ball gets picked up. Didn't even have to go to commercial break. Uh-uh. It was just like within 
the time it would be to reset the chains was really the longest thing. I think we, I think we're going to get there. I honestly yeah. believe we're going to get there. I just think we all wish we were there like now. Now, like, hey, yeah. we need to be there right now. It's going to take some time. I think it's going to take some people to buy into that too because every time I say that, there's going to be a lot of people that tell me I'm stupid, so we're going to have to buy into that as well. But I fucking I think they can fix it. It's going to take money. It's going to take new technology. It's going to take broadening horizons a little bit. That's a massive overhaul when you think about the NFL that moves at the speed of smell yeah. with things. Right. So I think the future is bright in the officiating, but there's going to be some lumps over the next couple of years of sports gambling continue to grow, I think. You mentioned it a couple of years ago that they should have some sort of program where former players are the guys in New York because it doesn't really make sense to have some 78-year-old retired ref be the one who's – deciding all this stuff because you are you you already know like Pereira told us he was like hey rest defend their own you know like very rarely is Pereira yeah that was Pereira hey no one the camera's on you pal that guy does not care that was talk about a dog yeah he is a dog he is a he was flipping that tongue he was he was but they should like those guys should be former players who can very quickly you know they still go through like a training program a process Mm -hmm. so you don't just have some 78 year old guy who more times than not you know is just going to side with the officials call on the field whether that's correct or not yeah i gotta have a little gumption in there too i think but it doesn't have to be ex-star players we're not saying like no anybody we're just talking about people that know the game Mm -hmm. this is this was our point about jeff saturday Everybody was talking about Jeff didn't earn this. You don't think Jeff fucking knows football from everything that Jeff's done at the center position? Now that we're learning basically about what the center has to do, which is understand the entire defense and the offense pretty much every single play, that's the type of guy Jeff Saturday was. Not all centers are like that, I don't think, right? Not every no. center operates that way. No. But that was the style Jeff Saturday had. With Peyton Manning behind him, I mean, there's no wonder they're the winningest decade in NFL history whenever they were done there. Won a Super Bowl, built a stadium, fucking changed the entire landscape of Indianapolis, Indiana. Jeff Saturday was a part of that, massive part of that big talking part of that brought football back you don't think jeff knows football like that was my biggest question like you don't think fucking jeff understands football now obviously they go beat the raiders so uh that is a clear indication that he knows football more than josh mcdaniels Boy, that's right. exactly what that is direct correlation that's exactly what over. that's saying mm-hmm. you know what i mean that's pretty much the whole thing but it's like i think former players have a little bit better understanding i don't think i should be the player like i don't think a punter i don't think i should be the one that's looking at an offensive holding call and why it happened or a defensive holding call or a corner or something like that like i don't think I, but i think there's enough people that know the game at a very high level that have you know free time now that if they were asked with a pretty good position, hey, you want to come back into the fold, be a part of this, we'll teach you up this, we'll pay you this, you're a part of something again. Like It's not even like uh, smart for the game. I think it's like goodwill, too, like for the league to extend for former. I just think yeah. it's better for the entire, you know, what's that called? The um, entire yeah. uh, uni- uh, uh, community? Yeah. Econ- no, uh, universe, no. Um, I'll, I'll come to it. I'll come to it. But you get it. Like the entire fucking. <laughs> Shield. The unification of the. Just there's like the. Everybody that's ever been in the NFL, like it, it would help bring, I think, even more together. It's good. I just. I think players should be in more roles. I think coaching is one of them. And then I think ref is the other one. Now, what are the other roles that they, they can't be in or shouldn't be in? None of them. I think they should be fucking GMs yep. too. I think they should be strength coaches. I think they should Everybody. Be, I think they should be. And this is just, you know, you're probably going to hear a lot of players talk like this. Because in the NFL, there's a lot of players that go like, this is so fucking stupid. Why are we doing this? We should be doing this. And then we see teams that start doing things the way players 
I've been saying things should go, and they win a Super Bowl, and then another Super Bowl, what? and then another Super Bowl, Bye. Bye. and it's like, well, 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 and now we're in a time where it seems like, especially after what Jim Irsay did, we might start seeing a lot more of that, and it, we're all open for fair competition. You yes. know, like, yeah. If the player uh-huh. isn't the best person at it, but I do think there should be at least an olive branch saying, hey, they, they have broadcast boot camp, which I was never three times I got Sorry. rejected from. Class is full. Three times. And they'd always have it during, like, mini camps or OTAs, so, like, only, like, a certain portion of people could go. Bro, three times? Three times rejected. Third time I didn't even want to fucking apply. I'm like, no. David Thornton, who's still with the Colts, was like, uh, hey, man, apply this time. I talked to a guy over there. They didn't say, I'm like, no. He's like, no, no, do it, do it. All good. They know you're over there. Rejected again. I'm like, DT. What the fuck is this? You made me just stare down and reject it again. Like, that's not fun. You think I enjoy that? I don't enjoy that at all. But they have a broadcast boot camp where these guys go into it, and they have executives from CBS, ESPN, NFL Network, Fox there. Basically, everybody but me that you've seen on television Mm -hmm. from the NFL has graduated from this broadcast boot camp and met all the TV executives at this broadcast boot camp, which probably got them the current gigs that they have during broadcast boot camp. How come there isn't an, an e, there's a business one at Harvard. Harvard has a business school that NFL guys are allowed to go to. I have friends that have gone and gotten like certificates from fucking Harvard, which obviously helps out immensely yeah. in whatever business thing you're going to get into. There's all these different camp things that happen. Why not have just like an officiating like opportunity or like an internship or whatever it is and just get more people into the pipeline and i'm sure naturally just like anything there'll be attrition where guys will fall off and guys won't be good at it but if you open the net a little bit wider and you know present it as a good opportunity like i think you're going to get more people to sign up and maybe that helps it because what they're doing right now ain't working yes okay this shit is continuing to be a conversation year after year after year after year we asked Pereira. We asked Pereira. We enjoyed Pereira, actually. Yeah. Love Pereira. Yeah, we enjoyed Pereira. We thought he was hysterical. Oh, yeah. But we asked Pereira, we said, because uh, last year the rest were really bad. We're like, is it worse this year? Or is this how it always is? He's like, oh, this is how it always is. That's what he said. He said, this is how it always is. It's like, well, then how is that just the standard? Like, we got, we're not, are we even trying to figure out how to make it better? Because when people are losing, you know, now people are losing, like their fans are losing money on this because yeah. sports gambling is becoming more legalized. Not that their fans weren't losing money before, but now it's like being broadcasted, legalized, regulated. Like every other part of your league is awesome and like moving and you can get better. The officials seem to be always a constant negative. Now, will they ever be a positive? I honestly don't know. I have no idea. And I've talked about it for a few years. I wish the refs had a little bit more personality. Like whenever they were saying something, I wouldn't mind a little brief explanation on why they did what they did. Like last night, if Cuzzy goes, Taylor Heineke declared himself down clearly. It was a weird way. Okay. We, <laughs> I was watching it. I was confused as well. It took me a little bit. But Brandon Graham was clearly six yards away. He hit him. We have to call it. Like, that is literally what the rule is. It's a damn shame. Game's over, pretty much. Mm -hmm. First down, commanders. Like, obviously not every ref has to have the full capabilities to cut a promo or to explain something. But if they have enough – they're a solo shot on national television. Hey, you are the voice of the league. You are the voice of the sport. You are the voice of the fucking game. I think they should get people who have a little bit of self-confidence and a little bit of a, hey, we did this because of this first down then you're answering questions that you don't have to have the internet answer for you when those might not be right i think that is also something we can maybe incorporate into 
the whole process. What are your thoughts on that? You think that's no good? Some people tell me, oh, we don't need these refs talking for 30 seconds. It's like, no, not 30 seconds, but like that call, if the ref says we have to call that, I think even though people are going to be upset about the timing of the call, I think everybody at least gets an answer like, well, they have to call it. It makes sense. They have, it makes sense. Like, I think it does a little bit of that, and it's only like two seconds right there. But then that would have to be every single game, the ref would have the freedom to be able to say whatever. Is that kind of the – I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think he had to make that call at all. I don't think he had to make that call. But he was six yards. I, mean, I still don't think he has to make the call in that time. Think about how many times you've watched basketball <laughs> or football and, and you hear, oh, the refs are letting them play. That's what everybody likes. Yeah, like, yeah. You want to be in a game where the ref lets you play and they're not throwing flags, they're not disrupting momentum of the game, they're not doing all that shit. That is all we ask for. We just don't want every time you see a hand maybe, what, two inches outside the shoulder pads, up oh, holding, like – we don't want that ticky tack stuff. We don't yeah. want it. But they can rely on well the rule book says. The rule book says right. the rule book says right. which which lends even more to the case, like get some confident get full time, mm-hmm. year round training. Get them together. Have them go do uh, – have them climb trees exactly. together. Yeah. Trust Tree falls squats. together. Right. Do the whole thing. I think make it a unit, like make it a team so that whenever they come out and speak on why they did what they did, hopefully they'll have each other's back. There'll be a little bit more unison across the – or consistency, which I think we all look for. But that is certainly a conversation that is only going to ramp up more if they continue to have weekends like they had this past weekend, which hasn't happened much, to be honest. No. I don't know if they – No, not I don't know this if they year. Didn't like the lack of national TV time. Yeah, because it well, started this year with a little bit of the late hit on the quarterbacks and the roughing the passer, stuff like that. But there hasn't been a weekend where like every, where there's been like multiple, multiple different areas of bad calls, I feel like, like there was this weekend. Okay, yeah, Connor. well, and they should start it with you know, like the system that you're you know, kind of talking about with the referees because that is the biggest part of the game that needs to be fixed. But what do you think even the conversation is between those refs when they're, you know, watching that Dallas Goddard fumble to see if the guy who recovered it was down or not, and they can just see the face mask? Like, On the jumbo, they, yeah. Yeah, like, how do they not talk about that while they're watching the review? Like, boy, we fucked up. Well, and then they also act like they – I guess they're told they're not allowed to look at the jumbotron. Why? Well, if you're if you're conversing, yeah. right? They throw a throw a flag, then they go talk about it. We see it. They hold the players back. Excuse me, we're talking about it in the stadium. They're running a they're running a replay mm-hmm. right over their like right over one of their like yeah. in I if they accidentally just go like this, oh there it is. Hey, but they're told they can't look at it. If you're conversing about it, trying to get the right call, why can you not just go? Oh hey, look here it is. Oh, yeah, pick it up. That's no flag at all. And then just move on. That makes too much sense. Everybody else in the stadium mm-hmm. can see that they were wrong. So you're setting the ref up to get booed like a mother. You're setting mm-hmm. those five people up that are in that little circle in the middle of the field with 70,000, 80,000 people around them. They all see the same picture. The ref not allowed to see the picture. Ref sees, calls something different than the picture. They're automatic heels for for the rest of the fucking game, no matter yeah. what they do. They're, so you're almost setting them up for failure even more. I just, it takes a special person to be a ref. We're not down, I don't want to downplay that at all, but I think there has to be some, you know, process changes to get people up there. And I know the officials are going to say, oh, first the coaches, now the <laughs> refs. 
But it's like real. Like get the former players in there. Offer them actual jobs. Have them be a part of something. I think buy into something could be the answer. Yeah, you're trying to make their lives easier too. It's not like the reviews are going to hurt them. Like it's going to help them make the right call so that these conversations don't happen the day after games. What is it? Their ego? You think? What? It's their ego that they don't want the technology buy-in because. What do you think? I don't know. I don't. I, the other thing is too is oh, like. Here we go. Here we go. The other thing that I, you know, whenever we get a big run in the games, right, they always show the behind angle, right? It's like, oh, it's like the perfect coach's cut-up, right? It's like the perfect coach's view to see this run. Why is that view never available whenever we're looking at, like, a, a replay? It's never available. It's always a side. It's always this. It's always a pylon cam. Probably get a pretty good view from behind. I'm just saying. All right. <laughs> just saying. More cameras. It's, it's all the TV cameras or just, the cameras I'm that just they use. Saying. Those are team cameras, I think. You're no, talking. like during games, if there's a big run, they show the behind view. Well, that's where the sky cam's right behind them, right? Is that the sky so cam? Why can we not use that for, re- for reviews? I think they can, can't they? I don't know. You're saying they're not? It. They never see it. See it pretty good. Well, one of the reviews they <laughs> <laughs> one of the reviews too they used yesterday, like on the sideline uh, of the Goddard getting tackled. I mean, there's a referee standing right there where the yeah, uh, dude, down it's and just, distance mark. I no offense to the refs, we have a lot of friends probably that are still refing yeah. in the NFL. Not friends, but people that I've been friendly you know, friendly with, yeah. with mm-hmm. and they're good. But Cleet, Cleet Blakeman, he even laughed the other day. He flubbed one. Mm-hmm. Like I think he's great ref. I think if great if there was a bunch of him out there, and I, and you can question his calls, the way he manages players and conversations and attitudes on the field, that's a big part of being the ref as well. Coaches communicating with the coaches, what you're calling, why you're calling it, the way he talks to the camera, I think is very good. He's a human. If we could get a bunch of cleats, that'd be fan. Hussey, I like Hussey too. Hussey's great. Mm-hmm. I like Hussey as well. I think Hussey's a good ref. He was over there at the Germany game. I'm happy he got the chance to do the get first game over there. I think he's a great ref. I'm not saying get rid of the good refs and we need to run them out of town. I'm just saying we need to create a system that can really maybe take care of this for the next generation of football so we don't continue to just run into the wall because that would be the definition of ineptitude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just doing the same thing the same exact mm-hmm. way and expecting a much better outcome. As opposed to the definition of insanity that Albert Einstein just fucking made up out of his ass and isn't real at all right. about doing something the same way and expecting a different outcome being the definition of insanity. I think it's actually a definition of ineptitude because if you do the same thing and you keep getting the wrong answer and you choose you, you acknowledge that and then you choose not to fix it, it's like what are you why are you what's the problem? That's not insane. That's just a lack of ability, I think, personally, mm-hmm. to be able to fix it. We're just trying to offer up some better ideas. Yeah, you don't need to run these guys out of town, but there should be a bigger pool. So if there is, like, one referee crew that is terrible, it's not, like, a situation where, hey, we don't have a choice. Like, these guys are going to give a game this the next week and the following week and the week after that. And then when we get to the playoffs, they won't because they'll have a low-rated score. But if we had a bigger pool where it's like, hey, these guys threw – 29 penalty, 29 flags last game, and it was fucking terrible. Like they're off this week. We got a different crew going in. We'll see. And if they aren't worth the fuck, then maybe we go back to the drawing board. Get Wally Pip some of these. Exactly. Yeah. I, it, let me just say one more thing. Who's grading these people? Go on, Walt Anderson. Walt why? Anderson. Why don't we have a bunch of former head coaches grading it? How do you think they'll grade the refs every single time? I think if you get them to to, to look at it and view it honestly, they'll do it the right way. I do. I think they know what the rules are. But if we're just using the same people that used to be in their positions doing the same exact things to grade the people that are now in the old positions or new positions. And those people could potentially be joining them at some point in their position. 
And to what Pereira said, they're going to have each other's backs. Yeah. And it's just like, like yes, it's a never-ending. Walt yeah. might be saying, like, hey, nothing ever lower than a B-minus, okay? Like, we ain't going below B-minus ever. Right. Could easily happen. And to your point about, like, Cleet and Hussey, if it was a full-time job, then in the offseason, those refs could be the ones, like, training the next yes. batch of referees. Hey, and guess what? Cleet, Hussey, good news. More money in exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. Because you're a professor yeah. now. Yep. You've been there longer. Look at us. We're creating, like, jo- look, jobs, bonuses. It's a full-time yeah. thing that just needs the first and foremost fucking happen. Yeah, it's a joke. It's a Bush League-type operation, like a Bush Light, like old, uh, what? old Why? Heineke was drinking. Damn, okay. Oh, Why? Yeah. All right, let's get to a break, all right? Let's take five, and an hour two will be on the other side. AJ Hawk will be here. Same with Taylor. Hi, Nikki. Hell yeah. AQ Shipley. I saw you practicing earlier. Okay. I saw you warming up a little bit earlier. You want to throw a football right now and try to put it in the hoop? Trying to make 10 people $500 richer? Is that what you're going to try to do in your beautiful Bella canvas shirt? (laughs) Come on, Al. One of one. AQ. You guys ever seen these shirts? No. Plain black shirt? No, never seen one. Uh, Super Bowl champion, A.Q. Shipley, little cold hands. He's from Pittsburgh originally, lives in Phoenix now. He's a bit soft. It's a little chilly up here in the Thunderdome. Hasn't shaved in two weeks. If A.Q. makes his show, it does look like he's kind of going through some stuff. I wonder what Fight Camp has been like. Uh, Obviously, Fight Club with Jay Glazer every single week. Falling apart with him and Qatar. If A.Q. makes one of these shots. Jay's where? Yeah, he's in Qatar. Yeah, he's in Qatar. Covering the World Cup. Soccer Lombardi. Yeah. Is Fight Club canceled until he gets back? Should be. That'd be rude. Tone just watched Yellowstone. It's the best part of his life. Football's yeah. on. Yellowstone's on. I mean, right. We're going to Montana this weekend. Right. Right. All right, AQ, you make one of these shots. We'll give 10 random people who retweet this, say something nice to somebody, and put their cash tag in a reply. $500. If you miss, nobody wins a damn thing. Super Bowl <laughs> champion, Alan Quay Shipley of Moon Township. Ooh. Oh, oh, my. That was the one. That was the one. Come on, Al. You can repeat it, right? Yeah. This guy's in a Hall of Fame, Western Pennsylvania Interscholastic Athletic League, uh, basketball and football Hall of Famer. For what town? Used to live in the paint. Moon Township. Moon Township. Joe Nardo's place. It is Joe Nardo's town, isn't it? For Joe. For Joe. Oh! (laughs) Do one for him. Try. Not your Joe. Look at him. That Joe. Look at him. Look at him. Look at him. Look at Joe. Rest in peace, Stay Joe. for you, Miss you, Joe. Joe. Miss you, Joe. Joe. He's coming for- around the end. He's going to strip sack you, Q. Oh. Joe Nardo would strip sack you, though, even oh, though he's yeah. part of Project Bundle. Break your fucking back. Uh, All right. Yikes. That's what you get. He did it on you purpose. didn't even say yeah. thank you. Oh, him. and then you just. He did it on purpose. Say sorry. Oh, that was very nice. That yeah. Was, um, yeah. Sorry, tip Joe. Tip of the cap. Was that the first sign of respect we've seen? It's about time. From AQ Shipley to Joe Nardo? Certainly looks like it. Fight Club right here on the desk. Exciting. Your first one was really good. First two. Second one wasn't bad. Third one kind of lost Terrible. your way. Next hour, okay. you'll be better. Joining us now, live from an attic in Ohio, is a college football national champion, a Super Bowl champion, a Ryder Cup champion, a COVID survivor, a man who called Coach Vrabel fat yesterday. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, A.J. Hawk. Yeah. A.J., hey, how you doing, bro? Yeah, I see what you're doing. Huh? I see what you're trying to do. You know you know better than that. What? What'd I do? I would never – I didn't say Vrabel was fat, never said it. Luke, being his best friend for 40 years, may have made a comment about that, but not myself. But thank you. Good to be here on the program. Oh, great to have you here. Thank you for clearing those things up. I thought for sure I heard you echo the sentiment of Luke <laughs> yeah. Fickle yesterday, whenever. Nope, nope. 
I thought if we were to run it back, there's a chance you, mate. You kind of probably you could probably check it out if you want to after the show. You can see what happened. All right, well, I'll just take your word for it. I'm not going to go back. I'll take your word for it. And I apologize for putting words in your mouth. Tom Brady also called Vrabel fat a little bit. It seems like Mm -hmm. so. I think everybody that is friends with Vrabes is probably experienced Vrabes at some point. Is seeing a weakness right now of Vrabes. This guy is deep in the middle of the season. Oh, we can kind of attack this thing a little bit. I did send a text uh, to Coach Vrabel last night, letting him know that. And I falsely accused, I guess now I'm learning, that Luke Fickle and A.J. Hawk called him fat on the show. Mm -hmm. He had a great response. I will not read it, but know that he is okay (laughs) taking all the smoke right now. And I assume he's going to get back into great shape this offseason, and there's going to be a little bit of... What were you saying? Yeah. Hey, we were about? Mm-hmm. doing a little bit of this. Anyways, last night, Commanders beat the Philadelphia Eagles. You were on the Commanders plus 10.5. Turned out to be a great pick by you, AJ yeah. Hawk. What did you see in that Commanders team that made you think that they were going to be close? And then, obviously, they get to win. What did you see in them getting to win last night? Well, it's whatever Taylor Heineke has. And I know he's coming on the show here in a couple minutes. Like, whatever the moxie he has, the competitive drive, like, the whole team feeds off it. You can hear comments from other players on the team after the game, like, Whatever it is, he has that thing, and, and people seem to rally around him. And their defense played well when they need to, and they had big stops, and he converted a bunch of big third downs. Like They did what they needed to do to win. Only one team in the history of the NFL has gone undefeated from bell to bell. It was the 1972 Dolphins. We hear about them. They were popping bottles last night and probably this morning because the last remaining undefeated team did suffer a defeat. Follow-up, are you worried about the Eagles, or is this inevitable at some point for the Philadelphia Eagles to lose a game? Because stats literally tell us that. Yeah, I'm not – no, I am not worried about the Eagles. I don't think a loss is ever a good thing, but it's fine. They'll be, they'll be okay. They'll, they'll keep moving. They'll be what right. were you going to say, Connor? You just gave a little reaction right huh. there. No, I agree. I mean, I agree. I mean, that was their worst game. They showed the stat yesterday while they were playing. They had three turnovers in their first eight games, and they had three turnovers last night. Like, you lose a turnover battle, you lose the game. What an incredible run they've been on. Only three turnovers in the first eight games. I saw that pop up there, yeah. and it was as Jalen Hurts was coming off the field or whatever. Mm-hmm. I still got a lot of faith in him as a leader. I, I think Jalen Hurts is a guy that can – you know, go win. I think he can win a Super I think Jalen Hurts is the quarterback that can win a Super Bowl. I don't know how many of them are out there. Okay, and I'm not diving into all. I think he's a part of an exact number of people. I think Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles team can win a Super Bowl, even though they just got the loss, I think, personally. They got the blueprint. I mean, they got everybody. They got a good defensive line. They got a good defense. They got a great offensive line, a good run game, and then a ton of weapons on the outside. And you have a quarterback on a rookie contract, which allows you to pay everybody else. And Sirianni, who's obviously – yeah. Football guru. That's right. Genius. An absolute dog. Now, you think he – there was a shot of him last night in deep thought, and they just were zooming in on his face slowly. And I was like, I would love to know what the fuck's going on in between those ears right there. Because he was was locked in on something, AJ, and they were just, like, showing his head. And he wasn't talking to anybody. He was certainly figuring some shit out. And I'd like to know just, like, the second-to-second thoughts that are in Sirianni's head. Because I think he just loves competing, loves competing. I think a loss – now, he told us it's easier to motivate guys whenever you win. He recognized that whenever he was at Mount Union. for He only had two losses, like 63-2 and or 53-2 and or something like that when he was at Mount Union. He said – because when you're winning, you can get people to buy in easier. Like, hey, we're winning because we're doing all these things. You can keep people buying in. Because I asked him, is it difficult to motivate whenever you're winning? And he said, no, opposite, actually. Easier because you're buying in. Now he has an opportunity. He got the weight off their shoulders, you know, the monkey off their back, the undefeated season's there. And he probably has some things he can point out and say, if we continue to do this, we can lose. It might end up being good for the Philadelphia Eagles in the long haul, what happened last night to the Commanders. Yeah, it, it could end up definitely being a good thing. Now, in the moment, yeah, like you always want you want to win every single game you play. That's that's how everybody should feel. But yeah, you could definitely take 
what you can from a loss and move on. And you're right. Maybe it does relieve some kind of weird. Maybe it just, I guess, they just don't have to answer questions about it after every single game, going into every single game. Hey, are you guys thinking about this? Do you care about being undefeated? And no matter what the players say, it's hard to believe. Them. Like, oh, we don't care. It doesn't matter to us. And what truly matters is win the Super Bowl. That's all anyone cares about. Joining us now is a man who is three and one as a starter this season for the Washington Commanders. Obviously, he's out of Old Dominion. Yep. Mm-hmm. Old Dominion mm-hmm. star, baby, the greatest player to ever play at Old Dominion, in my opinion. Yeah. I assume he yeah. has others. In my personal opinion, greatest Old Dominion football player of all time. Damn good NFL quarterback. Fresh off of a dub last night in Philadelphia, ladies and gentlemen, the iced out, jade out. Taylor Heineke. Yeah! Hey, guys. Hey, thank you for joining us, man. This is really cool of you, especially after how big of a night was last night. Saw you iced out on the plane. You looked amazing. You're 3-1 and one as a starter this season. Tell us about the win last night. Tell us about your team. And when Brandon Graham hit you, were you like, fucking game over, pal? <laughs> what, was the, what was the entire mindset there? It, it just kind of take us through it all, if you could. Yeah, um, kind of going back through the game. It was a, it was a complete team team effort, man. Um, we ran the ball forty nine times. You know, offensive line did a great job protecting and and, and in the run game. You know, receivers made plays. Defense defense made a lot of turnovers, and you know, freaking Joey Sly is hitting bombs out there for field goals. So hey, it was a hey, it was a full. There you go. Lace is right on that fifty eight yarder. That's not an easy kick. How cold is it? Cold? Was it cold last night? It was, it was pretty chilly. Fifty thirties. 30s in the fucking 30s last night, you're saying? I think so. High 30s, low 40s. Lace is dead right. Ball spinning 58-yarder in the 30-degree weather is a massive – I mean, that, is a, he, that wasn't his only one. I think he had two from 50-plus. Big night for Joey. I'm very happy for him. But sorry, I had to stop and say that just because I want people to understand how good of a fucking ball that is. 58, laces to the right. Not supposed to be able to hit it as clean. He makes it. I appreciate you shouting him out. I just wanted to, you know, kind of tag team that thing. But, yeah, 40 minutes of possession you guys had last night. That's huge. Yeah, it was huge. And, you know, a big part of that as well is just converting the third downs. Um, you know, we were pounding the rock. We were getting third and short situations. And, uh, you know, the biggest thing for us was trying to keep their offense off the field. And, you know, how to do that was run the ball and convert third downs, which we did a great job of. So, um, yeah, it was a full team effort last night. And, yeah, on that, on that last play, you know, we called it, we just called Sticky. And it was like, hey, if Terry's open, give it to him. If not, just take a sack. So in, in my mind, I was like, this this guy better be wide, wide the hell open for me to throw it to him if I'm just taking the sack. So, you know, I took a knee there, and I saw Reddit coming in. I was like, oh, this might be a little too close. But then I saw Graham coming in, and I was like, please hit me. And sure enough, he did. And he got the flat. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was a good little deal. Uh, before your question, AJ, let's run that clip because we, yeah. we broke this down earlier because obviously the refs are going to get attacked for this because this, this won the game for you guys. He is, if you run this, he, whenever you take a knee, stop it when he takes a knee. Boom. He's six yards away from here. We did the calibration for it, actually. Now, that was a weird fucking knee. Taylor, what was, what was, what, why was that the, why was that the knee of choice? Just giving yourself up, double knee, let's go ahead and sprawl on this ground as fast as possible. Exactly. I wasn't really thinking of how I was going to take a knee. I just knew I was going to get on the ground. So that's in your head. You're running and you're like, all right, I got to get down here. And you just first react, let me jump down on it. Yeah. It's amazing because I think you baffled Graham. Like, I yeah, think it yeah. was like a, a little bit of a baffling. Did the whistle come quick, you think? Or did, I don't remember how quick the whistle was. Was the whistle there? Well, I remember I was on the ground for a good bit. And, you know, he came in came in hot and got me. And right when he hit me, I looked at the ref. I was like, yo, what the fuck? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I saw him reach for his Is that something? So. 
Got AJ. Taylor, sorry. Is that something you guys practice? Do you actually practice a play like that? I, I would imagine you, you would want to. Hey, if Terry's open, I'm going to give it to him. If not, i got to get down and take a sack. I guess it's much more safe for the team to go down and not sit there and just absorb three guys hitting you and worry that they might strip the ball from you. Is it something you guys work on? No, it's not. You know, right before that play, uh, Scott was in the, in the on the headset just saying, hey, uh, we're going to call this play. If Terry's open, throw it to him. If not, just take a sack. And I was like, all right. So um, he wasn't open. He wasn't open like I wanted him to be open. So I kind of tried to waste a little bit more time off the clock by, you know, just scrambling a little bit and then just getting down. So, again, you know, it's they made a little mistake and, you know, we're kind of happy they did it. Yeah, I think, like, refs, obviously, everybody, you, you talk to former players and fans are like, got to let them play, but also, like, there was six yards from when you gave mm-hmm. you gave yourself up in a weird fa- I mean <laughs> I don't know what I would do either I don't in that situation I don't know what I would do so I can't judge you but you took a knee clearly he was far I think he just competitive moment hit you but I think watching it the ref had to call it I think that's how it was you guys win a game make a great play and put a bow on an incredible Monday night football which is you know, not just Monday night, but you go back to what you did against the Colts. You look at what you did against the Packers. I mean, you guys have been on a run. You have made plays when you've had to make plays. You've thrown balls in the bucket to Scary Terry. And at the beginning of the season, you were told it wasn't your team anymore. How have you been able to handle this? You've been the consummate professional through this. Your locker room loves you. It sounds like your coaches love you. Why do you think like you've been able to handle this situation that a lot of people wouldn't have been able to mentally, you think, Taylor? Yeah, you know, again, I kind of just go back to where I was two years ago. Um, I was not playing ball, and I thought I was done. So, you know, every opportunity I get, I'm just happy to be in the building, first off. Um, because, again, you know, I didn't know if I was ever going to play ball again. So, um, you know, I knew they were going to go out and get a quarterback after the last season. Uh, we went and got Carson, and, you know, I kind of just, you know, took took the took my role and, and, and went with it. I was like, I'm going to back up Carson the best I can, help him any way I can. And if my number's called, I'll be ready to go. So, um you know, my biggest thing is I just want to win. You know, you know, you guys have been NFL locker rooms. It sucks losing. It doesn't matter if you're playing or not. Um, so, you know, I just want to be the best teammate I can be and, and help any way I can. So um, if they want to go with Carson next week, great. You know, I'm going to help them in, in any way I can. Hey, it's admirable, dude. You need to know that. Mm-hmm. That's like that's not a normal thought. Keep that, man. It's a weapon that you have that not a lot of people have, and you're balling right now. Connor, your question for Taylor. Yeah, Taylor, I think a lot of us have already seen the conversation with Ron Rivera after the game. Did you and your teammates kind of talk about getting that win for him and everything he went through this week with his mother? Yeah, you know, we didn't really need to talk about it. Um, you know, you, you guys seen all the stuff going on with the – with the, you know, organization, you know, week in, week out, we always hear something going on. And, you know, I feel like just Coach Rivera doesn't get a break. You know, he, he goes over to, to see his mom, you know, at the end of her time. And then, you know, that, you know, she passes away and he comes back and there's another report out. And it's just that the guy can't can't catch a break. So um, to go out there and, and, and battle for him last night and get that win was huge for him. And he just he's proud of us because, again, you know, every week we, we there's a report coming out and we just stick put, put our heads heads together and, and focus on ball. So, um, you know, the guys are really excited right now. We're on a roll. Hopefully we just keep this thing going. I was going to ask you about your relationship with Ron Rivera because of the thing that you also alluded to there. Seemingly world on fire over there, you know, seemingly. But you guys in that locker room have been able to maintain the course. What is it about Ron Rivera that makes him such the perfect leader for your team? And what is your relationship like with him? Yeah, me and him have a great relationship. You know, we go back to Carolina in 2018 when I was first with him. Um, he's just a, he's the ultimate player's coach, man. He lets everyone beat themselves and, 
Uh, he, all he does is demand that, you know, you're focused and work hard when you're in the facility. And, you know, all the guys do that. So, um, and, you know, again, when those reports come out. The, the cool thing about him is he, he'll address it first thing in the morning in team meeting. He'll address it, tell us what's kind of going on and said, hey, let me handle this. You guys focus on football. You know, that's why you're here. So, um, you know, he, he really takes that off all of our hands and just lets us focus on ball. Boys, uh, I think we're selling a team. I, <laughs> remember, I said that a couple weeks ago before it came out. We're, selling, we're actually now selling the team, but I'll deal with that. You guys got nothing to do. It's been incredible what you guys have been able to accomplish on the field without, I mean, it's already hard enough to win in the NFL, let alone when everything's going on around it. It's definitely worthy of a conversation. I can't thank you enough for having it about Ron. Go ahead, AJ. I guess with your team right now, how do you guys feel moving forward? I know Chase Young is reportedly going to be coming back hopefully this week, maybe. I mean, you guys are on a nice little roll there. I would imagine you guys want to keep riding this momentum. Yeah. Um, again, we were, we had three we had three games in a row that we won, and then we lost to Minnesota that we felt like we could have won, that we kind of let slip. Um, and that was a good team. They were six and, they were six and one team at the time. What well, they're they're now eight and one. Just yeah. beat the Bills, yep. and that's yeah. a good team that that's we kind of let off the hook. So um, to go up there and, and beat Philly, you know, undefeated at their place, hostile environment Monday night, um, it's huge for us. You know, the guys feel very comfortable, very confident right now. And, again, hopefully just keep this thing rolling. You guys are good, man. He, I mean, Tark Glenn went into the ring of honor here in Indianapolis. Did, did you not care about that whenever you were playing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that was supposed to be a celebration. We got that, we got that homecoming vibe in, in high school, you know, when you get – when you're a homecoming team, the away team, you feel like you're a little disrespected. So, uh, yeah, we, we felt like we need to rain on the parade a little bit. I will say we talked about it. We talked about it. We're like, this is basically like I actually said exactly what you said. Yeah. Jim Irsay picked this game to be a homecoming game. And I'm sure Rivera addresses, addresses with the team. But, like, Jim cut a promo on your owner, your current owner of your team, like, a few weeks back. It's like, did he pick it because of his relationship with the other owner? Did he pick it because the quarterback's going there? Was it just scheduling whatever the case was supposed to be what it was supposed to be? And then in the last drive you and scary what is it about you and scary terry that's so beautiful last night you dropped one in a bucket for him he made an incredible catch but you two are creating highlights every single week what is it like playing alongside of him and why do you think you love him so much and would every quarterback fucking love scary terry mcclure yeah man and he's he's just one of those guys that you know the, the coolest thing about terry is he'll even tell you his biggest problem coming out of college was contested catches and that's what his strength is now you know he worked hard at it so um, you know, the more reps we get together, the more we play together, I, I feel like we get more comfortable. He understands my strengths, my weaknesses, and, and vice versa. So, um, you know, whenever we get a one-on-one -on -one with Terry, you like your chances. You know, we paid him a lot of money this offseason. We paid him for a reason. And you see it on the field. He's making plays in crucial situations all the time. So um, I'm very happy he's on our team, and hopefully we can keep it rolling. Where did he go to school? Do you know? Ohio State. Oh. OH. I.O. All right. I mean – it works nice. too. This nice. guy actually wants to. He's an Ohio State legend. He's in the Ohio State Hall of Fame. Yeah. Never says that. AJ Hawk, trying to yeah. speak to him. Up, trying to talk to the guest. Up, oh, God. I, you see, I grew up a big Packer fan, so I grew up watching AJ Hawk, and me and my dad were big fans. So this is this is pretty cool. What did you think about old Fifty flying around trying to cause CTE <laughs> on everybody? What, is that, is that, yeah. Hey, you're you're a gunslinger though. The way you play, like I I think we all appreciate. And I'll let AJ uh, chime in here, but. I think you're like an old-school quarterback. AJ, you feel the same way about watching this dude? I, I really get that feeling from him. Yeah, great. Like, you're not scared to stay. You know someone's barreling, barreling down at you, a free runner, and you're going to stand there until, it, uh, until the last possible second before you pull the trigger. Is that something you always had? Like, did, you, did someone instill that in you at a young age? Again, man, I grew up watching Packers, so I grew up watching Brett Favre. 
So I, I watched oh, well, it. Don't oh, emulate oh, everything. Oh, oh, yeah, don't raise any funds. Oh. Okay, don't do any. <laughs> I, we're talking on the field, on the field, on the field. We're talking football. Yeah, football on the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember watching him. He had a lot of fun for the game. He was passionate. And I remember him, you know, talking trash to Warren Sapp all the time. And I was like, you know what? This is this makes me fall in love with the game. So um, I try to emulate him ever since I started watching him when I was eight years old. So. On the field, on the field, on the field, on the field, on the field. Ty also grew up watching the Packers. That's a question for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Taylor, it's very admirable that, you know, you said, you know, you don't, hey, if Carson starts next week, you just want to do whatever you can to uh, to kind of prepare him. I'm not in the building, obviously, but from the outside looking in, Carson ain't fucking starting next week. I think it's <laughs> your team. You're the guy. And if I'm not mistaken, I think. You're making like 200k for every win, so is that something that you're, you know, telling the guys on offense like, hey, I don't have the big money contract, all right? So we need to fucking win these games so I can keep affording these Jays that I'm buying after after the game. And did you see the hundred fifty thousand dollars come around the edge as Brandon Graham yeah, exactly. when you were taking a knee? Is that is that the exact bring struck you saw? <laughs> now the cool thing is is that everyone kind of knows that kind of part of my uh, part of my contracts, so um, you know, like. They're all saying, let's get Taylor this bonus check. So it's cool, man. These, these guys are trying to help me out, give me some more money in my pocket. And uh, I feel like I'm going to do something cool for the offensive line this week. I, I think I might buy them all the starting offensive line some Jays, too. So. Ooh! Ooh! I already got a green pair. Okay, yeah. we beat the Packers a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. You get some Jays. You get some Jays. What? You get some Jays. Make sure you save your money, man. You've earned it uh, entirely. And, you know, afterwards, it feels like you and the team have – is it a meet? Because I remember you went in, and there was, I think Chase Young was pointing at the Heineke, and there was a mic'd up segment in your first game where they're like, We've been saying, like, this guy yeah. is a guy or whatever, and you bowled. Your relationship with your teammates is special. Last night, obviously, on the plane, see you all iced out with the glasses, you know, drinking water out of an interesting cup that mm-hmm. you were choosing to use, which is very nice of you to hydrate and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But that moment, what is that plane ride like back home, and what is the team like right now? I assume vibes are incredibly high from that video. Is that what it's always like in there? Yeah. You know, my biggest thing when I first got here was – Again, I'm gonna try and be the best teammate I can be. So I try and take a lot of my time out, you know, my free time just to go around the locker room, just cut it up with all the guys, whether it's DBs, defensive line, um, linebackers. I don't care who it is. Let's let's all develop this relationship. So we have a really f- huge like family feel here in the locker room, which is great. So yeah, that that plane ride home last night was awesome. All the guys were trying to get me iced out and. Um, that was it was a cool deal. So hopefully we can hopefully we can keep this thing going. Whose glasses? Whose glasses? That was a nice little adi- added touch to the whole thing. That was uh, my boy BK. Uh, he was he's practice squad DM, really cool guy. But he put the Cartiers on, so it, it <laughs> added the cherry on top. Yeah, it was a nice little bonus there. The glasses. <laughs> Last question for you here, uh, Taylor from AQ Shipley. Hey, so let's pivot back to last week. So leading up into the prep. Third downs are a big indication of whether you win or lose. Was it a big talking point that we need to hold possession and convert third downs and do this leading into this week, knowing what they have on the other side on offense? 100%. Um, again, we go back last week and we looked at their film and looked at the film from Philly and, and Texans. And the Texans did a pretty good job. They got after them in the run game. Um, and ever since the, that big big number 90 for them went down, their rookie from Georgia, um, their average Georgia. of yardage – her rush was 2.7, and with him out, it was six. So we're like, hey, we have a good chance here to, to run the rock. Let's go and Colts. we just got to convert. We got to convert third downs. Uh, if we can keep converting third downs, long sustaining drives, keep their offense off the field. Now that's just good for our whole team. So 
again, it was a, it was a huge team effort. Again, Joey Sly with a, some big time kicks. Um, you know, it was it was a full team effort. Proud of the guys. Hell yeah, and we're proud of you, man. Hey, we're proud of you. You know, because last yeah. time we talked to you was at Radio Row. That's right. And we thought at that yeah. point the slogan or the song for it was going to be "We, we are Commanders." But but that's not the song. No, 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 no. no, no. What the song is for the Commander Squad is actually. Uh, yep, there it is. Boom. There it is. So you know the song. So you got you. <laughs> Put your left hand up. Who are we? The Commanders. You guys are jamming that locker room. Were we playing that in the locker room in the plane last night, or is it something that you guys all just know about? No, we were playing a lot of Meek Mill because you know we were in Philly. Oh. <laughs> so this team's hey, your team's a bunch of savages, huh? You guys are a bunch of dogs oh, yeah. over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Bunch of guys that just like to have fun, cause some commotion. So yeah, good, good group of guys. Hey. Put your left hand up. Who are we? The Commanders. Stand us. Who are we? The Commanders. What a banger. I remember the first morning I heard this song. Yeah. Changed my life. Play that shit again. Thank you, Wale. Played it 10. I don't know if Wale was a part of it. <laughs> what? Once again, I do not know if Wale was a part of it, but shout out to the creators of said We Are The Commanders. Oh, home. goody. And shout out to you. Uh, Taylor, because you're a story of the American dream, pal. You have a great mindset, you have a great attitude, you're a great teammate, and you're great on the football field. We appreciate the hell out of you for your time today. Enjoy the rest of your day, pal. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. What do you have the rest of the day? Anything cool? What are you doing? About to put a couple zins in and go home. Oh, oh hell yeah! yeah. Fucking dog. <laughs> yeah! Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, Taylor Roddick. <laughs> yeah! Oh, man, I fucking love man. that guy. Yeah, that's, he, that's my farm. Yeah, he's yeah, a zinner. <laughs> On the field, on the field. On yeah. the field. Yeah, yes, probably gonna zin again. <laughs> I am a sinner. <clears throat> every, uh, every game day that we go to, except for this last one, because we're in the middle of a storm in a stadium. Yeah. We do the show live. You know, I do the show, and then once I get off the show, to get to where I have to go, I always have to walk through, like, all the people that are watching the show. So if people are going to come out and hang out and watch the show, there's no sound. So they have to watch on their phones. They're standing behind me watching it on their phones at all these game day things. So if they come out, like, I, I feel obligated to talk to literally every person there. The amount of zins that I've signed, mm. every single place I go to, I sign. Pat, Pat, you know, sign my zin, please. Sign my fucking zin, please. You, oh, you're signing a zin. <laughs> <laughs> and then I always write, like, on there, like, hey, have a good time here or whatever. And mm-hmm. then I sign it. They're like, yeah, sign the zin. For those that don't know, Zinn is basically a tobacco pouch that doesn't have... Uh, yeah. yeah, it's basically just nicotine. Yeah, it's a nicotine pouch that doesn't have tobacco stuff. in Chris. it. Chris. And people love it. People mm-hmm. love it. Good for him. Don't kick, you start with the jaw. It? Yeah, he kicked the jaw. No, yeah. He, yeah, he probably was big-time jaw dog, I would assume, and now he's trying to kick it. He's on Zinn. Good man. Getting better. Getting healthier. Yep. Here you go, Taylor. Put a couple Zins in and... that's awesome so i didn't want to bring it up whenever he was on uh if you heard me talk about how he had water Mm. in an interesting cup Mm -hmm. he did he had a plastic cup that actually had a bush like can wrap on it yeah i've never seen that before yeah so he was drinking water and gatorade out of an interesting cup last night on a flight home and i didn't we didn't want to show that in a photo because we don't want to get anybody to get any wrong impressions or in trouble or anything for having that potentially on a national football league plane but we all know that they have those cups everywhere yeah 
And if you're a starting quarterback in the NFL, you're going to use that bush light cup that looks like it can just because it makes you feel comfortable like you're back home doing what yep. you got to do. And then water's put in there. Gatorade's put in Keeps there. Keeps your water extra cold. Boom. Yeah. 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 It's, like, it's like a liquid death can, yeah. but it's yep. a cup. Right. And it has bush light designs on it. Yeah. I've seen other designs on that. Sure. That's clearly what he was drinking. Yeah. yeah. It, just from my eyes, first time I saw it, I was like, oh, that's one of those cups that probably has water or Gatorade in it mm-hmm. so he can rehydrate himself. Right, AJ? Isn't that what you thought? Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what all QBs do. I feel like on the way home from big wins. That's yeah, like, hydrate. I've seen like wine bottles that look the cups that were like that look like wine bottles. Yeah, yep. and then when you poured the water in, it would turn like either red mm-hmm. or like a yellowy Clear. color. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a mind trick. Almost. Yeah. yeah, and it's like yeah. oh, that's a cup. Chris Angel. They're yes. rehi- exactly. They're rehydrating. Yeah. I've seen people do it in like. Like Crown Royal, yeah, like sure. whiskey bottles, yeah, like whiskey, cups yeah. that yeah. look like whiskey yeah, bottles. Mm-hmm. I've yeah. seen that on planes before. I've, I've seen, I think I've seen a lot of the Bud Light cups. Obviously, yeah, yeah. a lot right. of the Bud yeah. Light Those cups. Pretty popular, most of them. Yeah, so vodka. I think there's a vodka cup, tequila cup. I think there's a tequila yeah. cup. Right. All these things. Yeah. But whenever you Wait, look at that, hey. it's not alcohol. No, no, no. That no. is that is them hydrating with different cups Mm-mm. to make them feel as if they're fitting in with their friends who would be drinking these types of things yeah. in these exact moments. If you win a massive game mm-hmm. over an undefeated team, your friends that are your age and humans that have brains and personalities uh, would normally enjoy a beer or something like that. Well, can't do that. He knows obviously. he can't do that. Professional athlete. Right. So he put what they, they started making these cups. AQ, well, it was like middle of our career, I think, is when he started making these cups. Yeah, it was about that. Yeah. No, no, no. It's been actually. Since 1966. Yeah, I think these oh, cups have been around. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I thought you told me you used to have to go get the industrial size crown for cups. all Cups. Yeah, crown the industrial cups. crown was, royal the crown bottle cups. cups. Yeah. Yeah. Cup. yeah, they were cups. Yeah. They look like bottles, but you take the top off, you see, that's Empty. just a cup. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you could put anything in there. For Usually water, like Gatorade, water yeah. soda. Pedialyte. It's a good yep. gift. I thought yep. he had the new exclusive Bush water. Because that, that was Dude, my that's good thought. as fuck. Have you had it yet? Well, no. Maybe, maybe, that, maybe that's what that was. I don't that's know. what I thought. What we've been told is so good because it potentially was uh, apparently. Hmm? No. A bush light. Son of a bitch. Apparently, no, no. Is it no. clearly? Is it clearly though? No, no. We we're saying it's water, but there's yeah, others okay. that are Thank saying God. that that wasn't water. Uh, there's, I guess, a little bit of potential. Yeah. There's some something going on potentially. So, those that are uh, wondering why we didn't mention that in our conversation with said person that was in the video holding the bush light cup mm-hmm. that had water or Gatorade in it, right. is because we didn't want to put said person in an interesting predicament because I guess there is a potential fallout ripple effect on that particular plane in that particular league is well, what is being I'm, said to me, which I did not know was a rule until a minute and a half before we went live with this guy uh, who had the bush light cup with water in it. I did not know that. You knew that? That changed. I don't know how many years ago it changed. They used to serve the coaches in first class, and then they had to stop that eventually because they don't want people getting DUIs on the way home. They land, and all of a sudden guys are slopping their way to their car and driving home. Yeah, I think now is the right time to make that rule when Uber and things like that exist. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And oh. typically, you know, guys who weigh like over 200 pounds, if you drink one light beer, you will get a DUI. So that is why all these NFL teams <laughs> have these cups that look like all these alcoholic beverages. It's nice to know that the commander's cup of choice is a Bush Light beer can yeah, cup. Yeah, that's sweet. That's awesome, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good, for that. Good to know. So, so thanks for hydrating yeah. last yeah. night. Thanks for being a role model. Well, luckily, too, they didn't watch the game because they – Played so many Bud Light commercials, I had to drink 18 of them last night. You're talking about the players didn't get to see those. Players didn't get to see them, no. And if they did, they might have been tempted. But thank God they did. Thank God it was just water. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, let's get to a break.
We shouldn't have taken a break right now. Don't have to. Don't have to. <laughs> Never do. Nope. Do we miss yeah. a hard out? No, because we're in like that interesting time right now. We don't have any of those anymore. Fucking rebels. <laughs> I got asked by I got asked by somebody. Uh, are you still doing your sh- hi? Um, from <laughs> media thing. Mm-hmm. Are you still doing your show? Are you shopping around for a new home after Sirius <laughs> dropped you or something like that? And I was like, okay, block this number. That's an interesting mm-hmm. way to look at All right, it. I am it's, not. Really, it's really tough to figure out for that person if, without asking you. Well, know. yeah, they did. I honestly believe that I read the question like five times and I was like, so is this person oblivious? Is this person hoping that I respond mm-hmm. in a way, you know, that is bad? Like, what is the... What's the angle? Yeah. What What's is the, the angle? What's the angle? So adult Pat blocks number, doesn't answer. See, thanks. But I do believe there's people out there that don't know that we're still doing our show. So I guess business-wise, that'd be a bad decision to get off SiriusXM. But I, uh, I guess there's 50-some thousand people watching right now. Um, well, tell them to tell a friend. Yeah. Or something. Tell some of these media people that yeah. we're still doing the program. Yeah, jeez. Jeez. People thought we were dead when we left there. Yeah. Got dropped. Get the fuck out of here. Let's talk about some other stuff. Hell yeah. Got dropped? Is that real? Did we? Is that what happened? I guess. Well, I mean, I thought you said you wanted to build your catalog like Conan O'Brien before ever trying to do something. No, but they didn't, they didn't make an offer, really. Right? We never really got the no. business conversation. So I guess we did get dropped. Contract expired. Is that, is that, we did get dropped? No, mutually agreed to part ways. Yeah. I don't know because they didn't make an offer. But you, I wouldn't have. Yeah. yeah, mutually agreed because they knew. Yeah. Well, they did know because we did have a conversation about four or five months beforehand. Yeah. You let them just know. line some things out. Hey, these are my thoughts, and then never heard from person again. Yeah, I think that was pretty much sealed at uh, Radio Row. There was one conversation I remember in particular. It was like, all right, well, it's been a good run. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there was a couple things said. You know, people are good. They're good people over there. I, I think there are a lot of very good people with. Sirius. What's the future for Sirius? Is Sirius going to stay in the same deal, like a subscription to the shows? Like I know they're big podcast stuff now. How's that work? So Warren Buffett, right, owns Sirius, and he also owns all the cars. So Sirius is always going to live in all the new cars that come out. I think because Warren Buffett owns the the radio that they're putting into those cars. Yeah. So I think Sirius will be around forever. I think. I honestly believe they are. Uh, a sustainable, survivable, will-be-around company, I th- honestly. And the people we've met over there are good people. But the way it was phrased to me, like, are you still doing your show after you got dropped? It was like, oh, fuck, is that what some people think? That's great. Huh. That is awesome if that's how it is viewed. Because then when we come back somewhere, it's like rising from the ashes. Mm-hmm. Like a These, phoenix. Yeah, like a dead. phoenix coming out of nowhere. Or we just stay uh, on social media and garner, you know, 40, 50 million yeah, uh, let's go to the phones. The uh, we don't have the radio. phones. We don't have that figured no, out yet. yet. Uh, let's talk about OBJ suing Nike, okay, <laughs> for willfully withholding millions of dollars and inventing excuses not to pay him. This is fascinating because all the news around OBJ had been super positive, super positive. He's been cleared to play. Every team wants him. It's the uh, Chiefs, the Bills, the Cowboys, the Rams. Giants. The Giants are in the game. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know about the Niners. I think the Niners should get in there. But all these teams, this is what the news was for OBJ. OBJ is coming back. He's going to take a couple weeks. 
get back into football shape and figure out where he wants to go, although he has a team. It's been like a recruit coming out of high school. Like, these are my final top five here, and they're all Super Bowl contenders. And when I decide which one I want to go to, I'm obviously going to be offered a contract. I'm obviously going to be given playing time. We're about three weeks away from the OBJ show is pretty much what the conversation was. Odell Beckham Jr. is coming back on the field just like you saw him at the Super Bowl, just like you saw him after he got himself released from the Browns from OBS's video editing package that he put on his Instagram. He gets picked up at the Rams. Touchdown, 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 touchdown. Odo Beckham Jr., Super Bowl MVP, blows out ACL, gets hurt. Now is he going to be a yearly hired assassin for teams that are going to go to the Super Bowl? Will Odo Beckham Jr. end up with like five Super Bowls with like five different teams over the next coming years? Could be the case. The only drama that we've heard from OBJ literally came yesterday from Odo Beckham Jr.'s account in which he announced that he will be suing Nike because he doesn't think they're holding up their end of the bargain for the deal. Now, it's a bit wordy, but I do believe we have to read it. Being a Nike athlete and brand icon was a dream I've had since a young boy. I wanted to be the next Michael Jordan, Bo Jackson, LeBron James, or Kobe Bryant in the Nike family. When Nike exercised its right of first refusal to match the Adidas offer, which Adidas, you know, I think mm. it has some money that has opened up yeah. over the last oh, couple. Good. I don't know if you've heard about it. Chappelle referenced it uh, in who founded Adidas in his opening monologue, which was like 30 minutes long, yeah. which... If you get a chance to watch yeah, Dave Chappelle's brain that. do its thing, you should. Uh, to match the Adidas offer, not only kept me as a Nike athlete, but also made me one of their brand icons. My dream had been fulfilled. Hell yeah. Unfortunately, Nike did not honor its commitments. Throughout our partnership, I've kept my promise and fulfilled my obligations to the brand. I'm extremely disappointed that I've had to take these measures to ensure Nike fulfills their obligations and promises. Today, I'm taking a stand not just for me, no, no, but to set a precedent for all athletes who have dedicated their life to the sport they love, especially those who don't have the means to stand up for themselves. We are held responsible for filling our obligations under our contracts, but we also have to hold the powerful companies like Nike accountable for honoring their commitments too. I look forward to resolving this issue and hope we can start a real conversation about protecting athletes and their rights. This happens too often in sports industry, in the sports industry, and it's time for a change. As this is now a legal matter, please refer any questions to my attorney, Daniel Davillier. So he said, this is what I'm going to say. Now, if you have anything else you'd like to hear, Mr. Davillier is the person that you shall talk to. Now, is this revolving around? There's always clauses in contracts. I've been a part of a lot of, you know, rather large negotiations now at this point in my life. And there's always clauses for pay because the people who are paying somebody uh, very rarely just want to fork over the money for no reason. That's just not how business operates. So there's always clauses. There's always expectations. There's always things that can get in there. Now, in a new contract that I guess was in previous contracts, but not all of them, force majeure is something that companies are adding into contracts so that they don't have to pay somebody if a world stoppage happens like COVID brought into. So literally every day there's new clauses getting brought into contracts because somebody had gotten fucked over by somebody somewhere and the lawyer thought of a new situation that could potentially fuck over somebody somewhere. That's why contracts are 175 pages and it's all bullshit. And most of the contract is like, oh, you're going to fuck me if uh, in this entire deal. No, no, I'm going to fuck. We're going to like, it's not a real partnership, really. Whenever you start reading through what the contracts actually read, it's mostly a cover my ass so I could potentially fuck you if I think you're fucking me. That's kind of what contracts are. I don't know when that happened. I don't think it was always that way. I think there was a lot of handshake agreements that have taken place in the past. And then once people started taking advantage of situations and contracts had just become a mess of shit in which you have to have a lawyer and attorney read through it because all these clauses are worded in lawyer or attorney language. So the common fuck 
can't understand what it is. Now, if you have a man like CFO Phil, who's very stubborn and is a former hockey goon, who also happens to have a big old brain and a numbers guy, and he's like, no, we are going to read through every single one of these contracts and we are going to dive through it. And we'll ask an attorney for sure on the things that we don't understand. And us sending, us sending shit to attorneys that we have to pay hourly just with a fucking circle around something like that, just literally a big square around something. And then we put a massive question mark and then we write, what the fuck does this mean? And then we'll get like a synopsis basically <laughs> from an attorney on what that is. And it's like, oh, we don't want that. So then we go, what? Well, you're going to have to take that entire part out. <laughs> we are not doing that. It's a, it's a much different way than business has been done in the past, I think, with a lot of people. But we've gotten to the point where we're able to do as such, and it's great to be here. I don't think everybody can do the business the way we do business. I don't think you should. We haven't been able to do business the way we do business now forever. You kind of got to get to this spot. But a good partnership is worth fucking gold. A good partnership is amazing. Having businesses that understand you and you understand the business and everybody has the mindset of the same thing, which is not only propelling the brand forward, but also making the person that is endorsing it a much better person in a better business as well. It's a beautiful thing. Doesn't always happen. I think a lot of it revolves around the way contracts are structured. I hope those are changed in the future. You've heard fights about contracts, uh, uh, legalese for a long time. A lot of people are not happy about them. You know, there's one going on right now, very loud over in Hollywood with a man whose name is just two letters. Mm -hmm. um, but I would assume this revolves around him not playing this season. And if I had to just guess, there's some clause in there about him not being on a team for the first 10 weeks, and maybe that's why they hadn't paid as much. But Odell Beckham Jr.'s people probably say, hey, the numbers that you wanted from us, both digitally, socially, impression-wise, whatever, Odell's been everywhere. I've been on literally every single sideline. I've been on every single team. I've still been out there. I'm still Odell Beckham Jr. My followers have gone up. I got more followers now than I did whenever I was playing for the Cleveland Browns. So I'm assuming this is uh, – you know, a volleyball back and forth of what's going on, but it's certainly over some sort of clause. I don't know if it's because he's not on a team. I'm just assuming that would make sense that some lawyer at Nike would try to take advantage of that particular clause to not give up money. And I like the fact that Odell's like, no, this ain't how shit has to be done. Whatever the case, I would like everybody to know we're on Odell's side. We hope Odell gets all of his fucking money, and we hope this gets resolved very quickly, even though we haven't heard a single thing about it, AJ, and that's probably a little biased if I had to guess. I mean, yeah, I, I try to figure out what it could be, too, because normally, like, you would sign the however many year deal. They they lay out how much in merch he's going to get, how much cash he's getting. Obviously, I'm sure it's a giant deal. He's Nike. He's, a, he's an international superstar. Yeah, I wonder if it's something like that. He hasn't played. If you're not on a team for a certain amount of time and some snake lawyer is trying to come in, hey, we can take uh, some of those bonuses that we owed him or something. Like, maybe that's yeah. the case, which if it is, that's – you know Odell's coming back. It's been like the Odell show all year. Hey, where's he going to go? It's not like this dude is hiding. Yeah, Odell's he's been babyface all year. Mm -hmm. Odell's been babyface all year. He's been talked about in a positive light literally all year because every team wants him. He's almost playing for like seven teams because seven different fan <laughs> yeah. bases are like, hey, come to our team, come to our team, which is probably what Odell and Mr. Devillier are saying to Nike. Like, hey, if this is if it is about him not being on one specific team and playing on Sundays, I assume that there is a lot of counter that Odell and his lawyer have in this entire thing. But contracts are weird, dude. The way they're worded, the ability to not have to pay somebody is interesting. It's like people talk about you got to read through every contract that you sign. It's like, bro, some contracts are 300 fucking pages long and have no English language in it. It's a lot easier yeah. to say. On purpose. Yes. So you don't. So you don't read through it. And so that there's multiple outs. But I, this could just be in... 
we experienced this obviously a couple weeks ago. This is some person, and they think that if they're able to save a certain amount of money, they can go to the person that is their superior and say, hey, look at the money we saved the company. This is what we did. We have this clause. And there's people at Nike that probably have no idea this is happening. And then they see yeah. Odell's thing, and they're like, what the f- yeah. What just happened? And that's also a part of the problem of some of these mega companies that just the right hand has no idea what the left hand is doing. Let's assume this gets resolved, but I could see how this doesn't ha- – I, I don't know how this doesn't happen more often with the way contracts are kind of set up these days. And who knows? I, I would imagine part of his gripe would be like, hey, I overperformed what your expectations were last year. Like I caught a touchdown in the Super Bowl wearing Nike gloves and Nike cleats. Like how, how many people were watching that, you know, and when the they first did it, he was, yeah, he was on like the Browns. So that wasn't an expectation. And then the you gloves know, you and, what happened. The gloves and cleats thing, I believe is the actual. That he altered the gloves and cleats. What did he do? Cause he painted them, altered made them custom. Oh yeah. Cause he custom, you know, like if you put spat. any spat on your shoes, they, they're like, they used to get away with, you could spat like the top of your shoes. As long as you had the swoosh showing, they Come used to on. draw swoosh is on people's tape too but they nike stopped that basically when i was getting in the league they stopped doing that hey so that's another one of those like that's in there fine print. small uh, no it's not oh, yeah. small i think everybody knows it yeah. like hey it's in there you yes. can't do this because there'd be guys yeah. that have spatted their entire lives i assume you were a guy that spatted your whole life under armor let you though right Didn't it was under- in my deal yeah because th- my rookie year i was with under armor it was their first year of having cleats, so they didn't know how good their cleats would be. So they said, yeah, you can wear whatever cleats you want. I ended up wearing Under Armors, and I spatted. The good thing is I had to spat because they weren't, uh, they didn't have their agreement yet with the NFL, so I had to. Oh, you had to cover up the Under Armors. So you're almost like a rebel wearing the Under Armour, and Under Armour probably appreciated the fact mm-hmm. that, oh, he's wearing Under Armour, but he's taping it up. Like, it's almost, that's better marketing for them. I don't know why you would utilize that as, and I assume they added in more things. Is it, oh, and if this, he's doing that, but if he's doing that, they're telling him in real time, like after the game, they're reaching out to him and his agent saying, hey, you like we we don't want you painting your cleats. We don't we want our cleats to how they how we can sell them on the shelves at stores, I guess. I don't know why that would be a battle you would pick. Yeah, I, with, him, not with him, with million? other people, I would I would argue with Nike. other people with Odell. I'd be like we can let him as long as he's wearing Nikes. We're all right. Two million dollars. A lot of money. OK, when I was growing up, two million bucks. Get, Two million dollars, lot of fucking money, okay? Not diminishing how much money two million dollars is to a lot of people on earth, including all of us on this stage, you know, now still and also growing up. I'm not diminishing that. But to Nike, two million dollars yeah. is what you're gonna cause a gripe with yeah. Odell Beckham Jr. And it's like, yeah, we saved two million. It's like, did and you it could impact future guys too signing with Nike? They know Odell is he has a huge platform. People listen to him. What if he like some other young studs in college are thinking about going Nike. And like, yeah, I remember what they did to Odell. This was the fear of every college coach that every scholarship in college is a one-year deal. They can pull it after one year. They can pull your scholarship. Yeah. But no coaches would because they get scared that that high school or high schools around there will hear like, oh, this coach offers a scholarship and then he pulls them. So then guys would try to run people out of the school. Like, all right, I can't pull a scholarship because that would make me look yep. bad amongst other potential recruits. But we can certainly have a conditioning period for certain people that is going to last two hours long yeah. every fucking day of the summer. And we'll see. You know, if they want to – Yeah. hey, it's easy. You can just – you know, just kind of give us start it, start at 5 a.m. Start at 5 a.m. You get a two-hour workout before the workout for this group of guys. And we think you need it because we think you get even better from this and that whole thing. And then they're trying to run yeah. fucking guys. They're trying to run guys out of the building. That, that's what they're trying to do. They're yeah. scared. But it's because they're scared to take their scholarship because the ripple effects. It's like for $2 million, is it worth it? 
Is it worth? Is that? And I wonder, yeah, how many how many people at Nike knew about it until this uh, Odell made this public? I, I I don't know how many knew that this was an issue. Yeah, Phil Knight's like, what the? Fuck? Yeah, we're dealing yeah, with. Come on. I don't know if you saw the video that uh, Freedom put out. Uh, yeah. Enos Freedom is that his name? Oh, did he change it? Yeah, his, yeah, I believe Enos Yeah, it was form, Enos uh, the artist formerly known as Enos, Enos Cantor. Yeah, I think yeah. his name is Enos Freedom now. Oh yeah. He put a video Sweet. out last week. Phil Knight's like, we got this. Enos Freedom's putting a video yeah. Now we got Odell Beckham Jr. saying we won't well, pay him. What, the, we got billions of dollars just stacking. What are we doing? Why would you? I don't understand why you would do it, especially with a brand icon. Like, that's what that was. And they're paying. Thing. Nike's paying. Have you ever seen those NBA players? Like, there's guys that play three minutes a night that are getting $5 million a year from Nike just for their shoe deal. Yeah. Like, that's like how a, crazy it is in basketball. Seems like a miscommunication. Hopefully, they'll get it handled. How does a Nike just pick up, like, the alterations and be like, all right, these are the shoes he wears the way he does it, right? And well, just make more money. they can't that? mass produce those. So. Yeah, I don't know how often. And the artist, whoever they would figure made those cleats or whatever would have an issue, maybe. Yep. I, I think all of us, though. They want to be able to sell it. So they want to be able to sell it to dicks and yeah, online. We all think they're Nikes, though. When we see yeah. the cleats, yeah. Those are Nike. Yeah. No, but you are. can't go buy those. You can't go buy those exact cleats. They, Nike wants you to be able to go buy exactly what Odell's wearing. Hey, we need your cleats to look much worse. Okay, because yeah, we're paying. Exactly. Don't make them cool. So he didn't get paid by Nike, and he didn't get paid by the Rams either because Bitcoin's dead. So, I mean, I guess there is no Nike swoosh on that. But... Not a single one. Yeah, but you can see it right on the front. There. There's that cool pirate logo, though. No, you see next to the. Uh, is it gloves too? Uh, down there, but yeah, bottom the right, right X. Yeah, right next to oh, the X. Yeah, right oh. there. You can see the swoosh. He's actually trying to put that in. Yeah, yeah. Look, 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 Ladies and gentlemen, preparing for Thursday Night Football, fresh off a victory over the Dallas Cowboys with a reunion of a lot of his former coaches, the back-to-back NFL MVP. Ladies and gentlemen, the 11th all-time rusher for the Green Bay Packers. He has amassed 3,436 yards on the ground. Freak show athlete, ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron, let's dive right into it. Big win over Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys. How are the vibes? Is this the one that you guys needed? Here we are. We're back, baby. Yeah, we needed one for sure. It's been a long time. It was a long six weeks for a lot of us. Am I, am I glitching? No, no, you're perfect. You're perfect. I was glitching, wasn't I? I mean, certainly, certainly were, but I didn't want to. I didn't want that to kind of distract from the great message. You had a great message going on, man. You know, yeah. I'm just in the bowels of Lambeau Field right now. I love that. On a short little break between walkthroughs here, uh, but yeah, it feels good to win. It's long six weeks for the boys. Yeah, long, long. Go ahead, AJ. What was it like uh, seeing your old coach, seeing Mike McCarthy? We saw him wearing a sweet yeah. duster out there pregame when he was shaking uh, Ed Warder's hand, I believe. But what did you talk to him pregame, after the game? How was it? Yeah, we got to spend some really meaningful time before the game. Uh, I got to the stadium early. Uh, he was already there. And we had about 40 minutes to, uh, to catch up. Really special conversation. Uh, just him and I. Um, I knew there was going to be, you know, cameras and different things around us that wouldn't allow for us to kind of have a real conversation on the field or even post game. You never really had the opportunity, uh, definitely not uh, privately. So the chance to get to talk to him one on one was really special, and uh, just shared some great memories and and uh, and a lot of love and, and gratitude for the time we had together. And uh, that was a really, really, really meaningful moment for me. I got to see Joe Philbin and hug him after the game. I've always loved Joe and, and appreciate him and have so much respect for. Mm-hmm. For that man and, and uh, his help in my development 
a lot of other guys I didn't get a chance to see. Uh, Jeff Blasco, Joe Witt, Al Harris. I talked to, texted with uh, Scotty Tolzine, but uh, didn't get to see a lot of those guys afterwards. Hey, you sent him back to the Big D with a big L. <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? Uh, thanks for coming back, boys. Great to see you. But I think as somebody who didn't know you at the time, whenever the Mike McCarthy uh, era was ending, there was always a conversation you two did not get along. Was that ever true? Was that blown out of proportion? And you could see how it could be true when two people are together for however many, 15 years or whatever. And then how did you guys get over that? And how often have you chatted since he was no longer your head coach until this moment? Well, I think there's an exaggeration of, you know, the rifts between us. I think in any relationship that lasts 13 years, I mean, think about being Laura Hawk and putting up with AJ for, I mean, they got married in what, 2006, five, really. So that's like 17 years with this guy and all his terrible body smells oh. and his hygiene yeah, and his, you know, limited diet of just eggs and chicken. I, I mean, what that. a sick that person is. You don't think she's got through some days going, what the <laughs> hell am I doing with this guy? Yeah. I mean, he's got a weak little baby chest over here from his, from his pack. I mean, it, any relationship that lasts a Deflection. long time, there's always going to be uh, some things you go to. But I would say, and I don't want to compare me and Mike's relationship to AJ and Laura, but at the root of our relationship is a ton of love and respect for each other. And even when we had issues over the years, we always finished the conversation with, I love you, and I appreciate you, and a hug, and then we went on our way. Um, and it was no different than seeing him this time, maybe a little bit more love and gratitude as the years have gone by and appreciation continue to just go up and how important you know he was in my career. Uh, giving me an opportunity, sticking with me, uh, helping me grow as a player and a person. And then, uh, you know, I hope and I think he feels the same way, a type of gratitude for, uh, for our relationship and the time we spent together. Time heals all wounds, they say, and only the bangers survive. So I'm happy to hear that you got to reminisce about the great times together on Sunday. Speaking of great times, it seems like you and Christian Watson are, Hey, seems like you guys are going to have a lot of those ahead of time. What do you think it was that made him flip the switch this week? Because there was a time on the sideline after the first couple of drops where you apparently said, like, hey, I'm coming back to you, I'm coming back to you. Three touchdowns later, that can change an entire career, right? Are we wrong in thinking that from outside? It feels like that was a welcome to the NFL moment for Christian, and how excited are you for him? I think it can be, for sure. Uh, what changed it was the over-the-shoulder catch. That was a difficult catch. Yeah, nice inside release. He reverse-stacked. I uh, threw a catchable ball, and he made, you know, his first, like, real big play in the league. And then he went down and showed us what he showed us in practice a few weeks ago. did a backflip, <laughs> just kind of uh, uh, showing the world how athletic he is. Uh, there were obviously other moments uh, at times for him to, for him to have, you know, some big plays. It didn't happen, but I really feel like this can be a course, uh, course correction to – uh, who knows what's at the level for anybody when you go out on national TV and you have that kind of performance. You know, I don't care if it's Devontae Adams or a rookie. You know, when you go out and ball out and have three touchdowns in a game on national TV in a primetime slot on Fox like that against, uh, you know, a really good opponent, uh, that's got to help the confidence. So really happy for him and uh, and excited to uh, see what comes out of this. Hey, it's like an I belong almost. You know, like some guys need to ex- – I'm not saying that, you know, he's – had a terrible start or whatever, but that moment of like, I belong here just changes the way you operate in every meeting rooms. I think like meals, even at home, I think it's like a whole different mindset. Can't wait to see what he does next. Ty, your question for Aaron. 
Aaron, uh, a little two-parter here. First, uh, how's the body feeling after you had that just fucking massive block late in the game oh. to kind of spring Aaron Jones, you know, for a nice little game there? I mean, without that block, who knows? You know, what we might be talking about a five, ten-yard loss. You know, you guys were looking at punting, but instead, you know, we're moving the chains and, and just you're putting your body on the line, which we love to see. And also, was could you feel in the locker room kind of like just like a collective weight off everyone's shoulders? Do you even get really time to enjoy it or – not really, because you guys' back still kind of against the wall, and you, you have to turn around and prepare for a game on Thursday already. Yeah, the body feels pretty good. That was, uh, you know, a little bit of redemption for me. I've had a couple block attempts this year that haven't gone as well as I would have liked. So to be able to uh, stalemate a defender running close to full speed at me felt like a win. Um, and... You know, it did allow Jonesy to get outside, which also allowed him to get face masks, which got us half a distance to the goal line. Yeah. So yeah. a potential, uh, you know, zero-yard gain turned into a positive gain for us. And oh! I, I, I feel good about uh, about that. Oh! Because I, I really didn't uh, – didn't I wasn't on the losing end of that, which feels which feels good. When it comes to the, the team, I felt like Christian Watson, you know, his his performance kind of took that eight hundred pound gorilla off his back probably. For our team, it's been a rough six weeks. Been a really tough, uh, tough stretch. Bad ball since uh, since London. So I think we all uh, we all kind of reset maybe after Detroit, that being a real low point for us and hopefully rock bottom and um, I think we played a little bit more free. Now, there were times in that game where I don't know if people thought we were going to win that game. 28-14 in the fourth, but stuck with it. Uh, we made some plays when we had to at a fourth down and then put together a really nice drive to to tie it. Then, obviously, you had a chance at any regulation uh, when it went a certain way and then uh, had a good drive in overtime. Foxy, rock bottom there. Sorry about it. AJ, your question for Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> What was it like to actually like? I, I love that you guys got to enjoy a win. Like I said, the, I texted Pat when the pay, or, uh, the Tampa Bay won early in Germany. Like they were so like Tom was pumped. They won a game. Like good, you should be excited when you win. But a lot of times when all you do is win, people just keep moving on to the next one and don't really enjoy it. I was glad you had to enjoy it. What was that locker room like? You get to see a lot of young guys. I would assume in a little different light than the last five six weeks. Well, sure. It's been a tough stretch. You know, we get, we're we're all human. We're, we've been dealing with a lot of frustration, and obviously, there's, I'm sure there's been a ton of criticism outside the locker room. And some guys probably read that shit and, and take it to heart, maybe more than other guys. And it's nice to quiet that down a little bit. I'm sure uh, for us, it's just a confidence builder. You know, that we're not out of this thing. This thing is not over. We're not scheduling our off-season plans yet. We're we're still in this thing. Anybody can beat anybody. Saw last night the Commanders beat the Eagles uh, in, in Philly. Um, you know, we've got a short week now against another good opponent. But we got it at home, national TV, primetime. We've got a great opportunity to take another step in the right direction. The NFC, pretty wide open, I'd say. we just got to get ourselves back in the conversation. And uh, uh, Sunday night was the first step in the right direction. But we're going we're gonna to enjoy it, too. Like, winning is fucking hard in this league. And we're not going to, you know, act like we've been there every single time in this weird, you know, uh, stoicism mindset. You know, this is uh, – this is, you know, this is the human experience. We're going to enjoy enjoy the heck out of it. I know I did. I had, uh, you know, a healthy pour of scotch. Wide. And a cigar, and I had a, I had a nice little night. Did you? What type of scotch was it again? Uh, let's see. I went with uh, a little Japanese. Wide. And I also did a little Balbini, uh 
the 21. What? Teeny? That's awesome to hear, oh, man. Yeah. I'm happy to hear you have a good time. And every, You know, you guys, especially the last couple of years that we've been doing Aaron Rodgers Tuesday, you just win, 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 win. That six-week run, you know, kind of puts things in perspective. I'm happy to hear that you guys celebrated it. At the end of the game, there was a moment where I think you were caught on camera saying, LaFleur, good fucking call, I think is what you said. <laughs> and then in the press conference afterwards, you talked about, you know, the play calls on that particular drive and your thoughts on it. Have you talked to LaFleur? LaFleur addressed it, said that was on him. It was a little different situation. But when those things happen on the sideline, what is it like the day after with LaFleur, and what is your relationship like today? I, mean, I haven't talked to him, so I have no idea if he's <laughs> being an angry off right now or if he's in a good mood. Uh, look, Maddie and I talk all the time, and uh, last week we had a really uh, really cool moment, uh, conversation uh, back and forth, and there was a lot of love and gratitude shared, and that kind of set the perspective for the week, I think. And then, yeah, I was pissed about the calls. I answered honestly. I mean, he was pissed about them too. So he actually followed me after my press conference, and uh, he had been watching. My, my, so he had seen what I had said, and he made, a, he made a little barb as I was walking out of the, the green room uh, about it. We had a couple laughs, and then I told him how much uh, it meant to me, a uh, conversation from Friday, and uh, we hugged it out, and that was that. I think that type of emotion, though, that you've shown continues to show everybody like, hey, this guy is incredibly invested. There's a lot of conversation about how long will Aaron Rodgers play football? Does Aaron Rodgers care about football anymore? That Dallas Cowboys game felt like it was bigger. Did it feel like it was bigger because McCarthy was coming back in there? Six-game losing streak, obviously, but was there a vibe around Lambeau because Big Mike was back there, primetime game? Did it feel like a must-have-it game for you guys, and is that how you treated it? Well, first of all, it's a five-game losing streak. Oh, sorry about it. Um, but we had to deal with that for that extra week. That's why I said the long six weeks. But oh, was, shit, the bye week, yeah. About, That's what I mean. about Mike coming back or Joe coming back or any of those guys coming back. It was about wanting to still have meaningful football games in November and December. And the only way to do that was to win against a good opponent Sunday afternoon game. So uh, I've, you know... Myself and the other Aaron, we've had some good games over the years against the Dallas Cowboys. And I expected him to play well, expected personally to play well, and knew if we could make enough plays, we had a chance to uh, to hang around and to beat them. Obviously, third quarter was a couple things went against us, but we played uh, a near flawless fourth quarter and then had a great drive to uh, finish that thing off. And our defense obviously came up with a couple big stops in the fourth and obviously in overtime on fourth down. Titans on Thursday. Anytime a team is coached by Vrabel, you actually said it earlier in the year when we were mocking overreaction, and I said, the Titans are dead, and that got clipped to me saying that, and then you cut a promo. Is Vrabel still the football coach of the Titans? Then they're not fucking dead or whatever. I got buried from it, but, you know, nonetheless, you cut a promo for Vrabel. Their defense is always going to be sound. Their defense is always going to be solid. Their team has the identity of Vrabel, which is just, you know, super tough Ohio. Not as tough as Luke Fickle, what I'm learning. Mm. They go to Cincinnati, but super tough <laughs> Ohio guy. What are you looking forward to preparing against here on Thursday night? And what did you learn about the Packers' offense on your offense on Sunday that maybe you can carry on for the rest of the year? We have the potential to score 30 points in the game. That's what we learned. Oh, yeah. We finally got, we finally got 30. Uh, yeah, real, real good, uh, good defense. They're leading in uh, third down percentage. They got like 29 sacks on defense. They got a bunch of takeaways. They're top 10 in red zone defense. 
studs. They got studs at every level, the front line, the linebackers, the back end. Uh, play really well together. Uh, good team. Mike's a great coach. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him. I always appreciate uh, our conversations that we have throughout the, throughout the year. Um, you know, I always uh, enjoy uh, talking to him, you know, about ball or about ripping eaters or whatever it might be. Um, but, uh, but I always uh, have a ton of respect for Mike, and, and his teams are always ready to play. And uh, so we're expecting the, the tough four-quarter game. And, you know, we like our chances. We're rolling uh, – Rolling with as much momentum as we can after one win, and hopefully we've exercised some of those energetic demons, and we can follow up Sunday with another good performance Thursday. Exercise the demons. Sorry about it, go ahead, AJ. Are you good? How do you how do you like this Thursday night? This quick uh, turnaround. You're playing Sunday now. Thursday you win. It's a great like long weekend, most likely. Does you, is your body able to handle this at, at your age? Yeah, you're old. <laughs> Uh, I don't like it's a Tuesday. I'm, I'm, my body's a little sore for sure, but we're just going to walk through today, so I'll be fine. I need that, uh, you know, need to get a rub down or something to feel a little bit better, maybe uh, maybe later on. Um, so, uh, you know, hopefully uh, be ready to go by Thursday. A lot of guys give massages to make their body feel better. That is obviously what Aaron was talking about. I'm excited to hear that. Can't wait to watch you on Thursday. Thank you for making the time in the middle of a busy Tuesday here uh, with Thursday Night Football around the corner. Congrats on the win. And I know we won't do a book club book this week, but I want to let you know I've started on one from last week. If you could see here. The coloring book. You got it. The only thing I've colored is Keanu Reeves' belts have all been colored black because this guy is a black belt, obviously. (laughs) You know what I mean? I've, I've, I've gone through the entire thing and mm-hmm. really, really, yep, even there. Yep. Nice. Boom. I'm going to have to send, a, you know, maybe a Chuck Norris one next. Well, you know, Keanu Reeves is my Chuck Norris. You, know? you, like, yeah. you like Steven Seagal, too, or no? Are you, are you into all oh. the – yeah. Under Siege and Hard to Kill are two bangers. Hell I yeah. Hell yeah. Amen. Amen. So quick. All right. Good luck on Thursday. We appreciate you, ladies and gentlemen, the back to back MVP, Aaron Rodgers. Classic. To dive deep into the bowels of football. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for In the Trenches with AQ Shipley. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. We got a good week this week. We got. AJ, we got some misdirection, fooling some linebackers' eyes. We got some counters. We got, we got even a little gadget this week, huh? A little creativity. Whoa. A little creativity. Inspector Gadget. Dun, 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 dun. Let's get started with the Houston Texans, huh? We'll say that for later when the, yeah. okay. the creative gadget comes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Creative gadget. AJ, were you in with us or were you team or not? Yeah, I was there. I was in. What did it sound like? Uh, I think they muted my mic. When Don't I was be an asshole. Do it yeah. again. You suck. We see you. We see you. Can't yeah. wait, AQ. I can't wait to see this play. Anders Gadget is coming. Holy smokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smokes, yeah. That's all you yeah. did while the rest uh-huh. of the team was. Gadgets won't come if you don't sing it. This is disgusting. Go ahead. <laughs> Perfect. Let's start with Tunsil. Having a phenomenal year. One of the best left tackles in the game. Obviously, they make a trade a couple years ago to get him stud. But here, they're going to run a counter tray. 
You can also call this tag. Why do we call it tag? Tackle and guard. See how, see how fucking creative we get as offensive line coaches? Boom! We're going to pull. Everybody else is going to block back. We got a six box, six people in the box, which allows them to make an angle call or a down call and get everybody back. Tight end's going to go back to this guy. Down, 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 pull, pull. Don't have to worry about him because we got a fucking stud that's going to run the ball, or maybe not. Hand it off, hold his eyes, get the kick out here, get Tunsil oh around on here. You guys see where this is going? Oh, you guys see? oh, oh boy. Uh oh. Yep, get off the tracks. And look, he makes a cut here, which is unbelievable, and he's out the gate. Jeez. Oh, wow. Boom. What do we have here? Blocking. Oh, big gaping holes. Great point, AJ. Great block by the tight end at the second level. That's old buddy from the Cowboys. Now he's in the Giants starting, right? Yeah. Jalen Smith. Yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Jalen Smith. Don't forget his strike, Packers. Man, his well, good job at the tight end. Stays connected, and then we get a one-on-one with the safety. This guy's got unbelievable vision. He could have taken it there. He could have bounced it. He could have went back there. He makes it. He's on his own with the safety and makes another move at the next level. Awesome stuff, though. We get it. I mean, this is a great blocking scheme. Hey, this guy's a good player, huh? Stud. We love the way he runs. Dog. Yeah. yeah, love it. Love the way Damian Pierce is running the ball this year. He's going to be a stud. Would you respect Davis Mills' athleticism? Because I would. You would. That's why, yeah. that's why I brought it up. That's why I made yeah. a big point. You know, yeah. he's got, he's he's got a, a lot freak. of – Yeah. A lot of freakish stuff when he pulls it on the outside, you know. But in that neck, we get him. We get him respecting it. But that's the thing. All you got to do is just show it. You just got to show it, even if it's just one time. They got to respect it. What a play! And then he's out running. Wow, mm. Texans not as terrible as it may seem. Yeah, this is what you're saying. I think they got some stuff there. I just don't think the quarterback. Whoa! 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 Whoa. Is oh, elite. Is elite. Oh, I don't think he's bad. Oh. I just don't think he's elite. And it's a quarterback-driven league. You need elite run. guys to run, to make a run at the, uh, to the playoffs. But here we go. Check this out. I, oh. We love this. Let me set the scene Come with on. this first. Please do. Hey, let's set the scene. Foxy, we made it this week. Let's go, finally. Let's go. All right, so we talk about this play a lot. The Bob or the weak ISO. We're going to start both backs weak. Gets his eyes. Gets his eyes. We're going to send the fullback to him. Tailback's going to start weak as well. Like, we're running. We're selling it, right? We're selling weak ISO. He is going to make one step. Again, we're going to draw eyes. I love these misdirection plays. Everybody else is running, uh, we call it a man play, to the tight end wing side over here. They're going to get the double team to him. They don't even need to block him because the weak ISO is going to get his eyes and send, watch what it does in the influence of these backers. And then we're getting pulling guards both around the corner for him and number nine on the safety. This is unbelievable. I love this play. As soon as I saw this, I was like, this got to get in. Ooh. Watch this. This guy's downhill. He's downhill. Wait do you see this. It just engulfs him. He's going to be over here by this hash by the time this thing gets going. Look at that. Oh, no. They think it's full ISO. Now we're pulling both guards around for him and him. Second puller, which is the backside guard, doesn't even need to block him. He just basically gets a little sprint into the end zone. Swift with a huge hole. Holy shit. Lock it in. Shit. Without skip on the field. Is that hole big enough? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say. What do you got, semi-truck? Yeah. Fit that big gaping hole. Uh, I think it's awesome that we need to spotlight just the, the incredibly quick feet of old Cuzzy right here. I agree. To sell going to the right. Guess what? Uh, Bang. Ooh. Boom. Boom. Fucking jab step. How good is that? Almost stepped Boom. on this guy's foot. Yeah. How good is that? You tell me. 
So good. Boom. That's how good it is. Boom. So good. Bears had no shot too. stopping that. Thing. You got no, no chance. Bears. And that was a huge play. I mean, that was, I think, Foxy, correct me if I'm wrong, I think that tied the game up. Yes, sir. Yeah, there it is. Shout out to Chicago's fans for the Lions needing a, a silent cut. It's really good stuff, though, man. Really good. Bears fans will be loud. Yeah. Yeah, we'll they get after it. Oh. Bless you. Thank you. God bless your soul. All right, let me set the scene on this one, too. Please do. We're down in Miami. It's hot. Holy mm. hell. Remember a couple weeks ago, somebody put a grill on her car. Let's not do that anymore. That's right. No. That's right. Be careful. We, we think this guy's a good football player? Great football yeah, player. Yeah, I'd say alien. You guys can't see him right here. This is Trent Sherfield, who, if you guys remember correctly, had a big-time touchdown later in the game. He did. Oh, a little yeah, bit right. Yeah. Back in the end zone, score. drags his feet. Why is that? Because... Christian McCaffrey, again, not on this team, new team, same system, right? Said, best wide receiver blocking he's ever seen. It also filters into this scheme. So, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get a crack toss. Or, that's what they're trying to give you the illusion of. Tight split. He's staring right at him. See it? Hey, we're going to get the crack. We are going to get the crack. But here's the different thing. We're going to go gun Put the back on the other side. A lot of times when you run the crack toss, you put the back over here. You get the toss. If that happens, fast flow on the linebackers. That's why we got to get the puller. But check it out. We're going to get the handoff behind. Slow to go. Slow to go. Allows him to slip and get here. Allows him to slip and get here. He's really going for him, but they get a great angle on him. So check it out. He sees his buddies blocking him. Fuck it. Let's keep rolling. Let's get another block. We'll replace one with another. Mm-hmm. Having an unbelievable year. Taron Armstead gets up, gets this whole thing started. And then everybody else on the backside, boom, we're going to get him up. Got him going. Fuck it. Okay, you got him. Now let's go get a safety. Good block on the outside. Great crack by Sherfield. This is their version of a crack toss without actually running the toss. Mm. Smart. McDaniels, he's a genius. Mike McDaniels doing a phenomenal job. I texted this to Pat, I think. I think this is the best offense. In the NFL right now, what they're doing, they are rolling. I could have done this entire segment on the Miami Dolphins run game from this game alone. Just from uh, the creativity, the details, the execution, or just all of it? All of it. You just hit it all. Details, uh, what they're doing, you know, they're, they're setting the tight end on one side. They're getting to plays different ways than everybody else is getting to them. Here's, your, here's a prime example right here. How big is it for them to add Jeff Wilson, who already knows the 49ers system? I think that's a great point. This is Mostert. They also had an unbelievable game with Jeff Wilson. I think he had over 100 and a couple touchdowns. Yep. This is exactly what he envisioned when he took this job with this offense. Chase Edmonds, great player. Anybody would love to have him on their team. Just doesn't know this system in and out. Now they get two guys who came from the system, know it in and out, and they're able to do everything they want to do. McDaniel has uh, thought of all these plays whenever he was a back assistant coach, you think, and now he's just unleashing all of them, and they're all just so happen to be working? Or is there misses, too, you think? Here's the evolution, and this is kind of the way I see this evolution as I've studied these guys from, from way back. Mike Shanahan was the originator, right? And then it goes to Gary Kubiak. It goes from there. Then it goes from there to Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan took this system and added a whole other level to it. McVay also. Now Mike McDaniel's doing the same thing down there and adding another level, I think, to a lot of the things they're doing. Wow. This thing is evolving. Just the action. AQ, just the action, like you said, instead of talk, correct, but he's turning his back to the defense. I know this, this play is tough because it's a high snap. He has to do it right away, but 
Tua does a good job. You can play fake off of this, and when he turns his back to the defense, they may have to you know, pause an extra mm-hmm. second to make sure he doesn't keep this thing. Exactly, and that's why I think it allows them to go through as opposed to pull, and that's, I think, part of the whole play design. Does First. McDaniel change this stuff up every week so they'll show that same look and then next week do something different off it? Yeah, absolutely, and that's the, whole cool, that's the coolest thing about this offense and what San Fran's doing. I've talked a bunch about it. Everything looks the same. The way they set up their formations, the way they do it, the way the next opponent is going to see this. They're going to see this, and they're going to think, okay, they can do this, this, this out of this, and then guess what? There's a whole new arsenal that comes out of this stuff. What they're able to do with making everything look the same from a week-to-week basis is awesome. Yeah, because technically he could come out here yeah. and, and run the play action. Yeah, out there. The yep. crack and then they could have a drag. Yeah, from over there. Oh, high low. Oh, you're talking about like Georgia had. Like that. Ah. Okay. Pin and pull, point man, instead of blocking and cracking, actually going out. There it is. Oh, oh. Good for them. You know, Texas runs a lot of this type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Texas looks very good. You got to have a wideout that's willing to crack Miles Garrett, though, and able to do a good enough job. Well, or just appeared that he's going to crack. Yeah. Miles didn't play right into him, but yeah, I feel like there's a even if Miles went and played outside, there's still a gap inside. Uh we were, you know, we made an adjustment here to this because Yeah, we did. We'll get to the gadget. We're gonna save the gadget for last. This is hard nose football here, isn't it? Thank you. This is. And and again, I like setting the scene today. That's what we're going to do. So we're going to set the scene. Pay a picture. Yeah. Darisaw, we've been talking about him all year long. This guy's been mauling people at left tackle. Don't got to worry about him. All we're going to do here is run an inside zone, really a mid zone, because they're going to kind of come right through this gap right here. Darisaw with the kickout block. Check out this single block. AJ, wait do you see the single block and the way he hits Mm -hmm. the hip, knocks him across the center, climbs to Milano, stud. The big key to this, Milano moves over pre-snap because this guy now becomes the new B-gap player. And when that happens, Justin Jefferson, you got to love it, right? One of the best receivers in football. you got to love when he uh, comes in. Probably the right yeah. Probably the best, top. right? Now you watch him come in and do the dirty work. These guys are going to appreciate the hell out of watching him come in, get the crack block here. Wow. Now wait till you see this because we talked about this earlier. You talked about this. Hold up right there. You just saw it. Let's rewind it just a tad. Okay. You talked about it earlier about one step here, one step there. That really sets this thing off. He's going to make this outcut. When he makes the outcut here off of the crack block, he's going to take one step forward because he thinks he's bouncing to the outside. Boom, right there. That was it. Now, yep. had, he done, had he not done that and makes the play right there, maybe this entire outcome of this game changes. But it's always five Ooh. plays a game. He makes that little move right there up because of the outcut. And then once he makes the outcut, boom, the quick upcut. He already put himself out of position. And you are Bye-bye. not you are not catching him. Mm. Especially playing against his brother's team with a family in his yep. team. That's right. Jeez. And AQ, isn't that a design you want to block the safety, make that corner tackle? It's exactly it. We call that a push crack, and it's really big, especially to the single receiver side. You it's really most dangerous man. If that safety stays deep, now maybe we block most dangerous man. But because that safety starts to roll down, push, crack, that's where you get this. Make him make the tackle. They don't want to tackle. They're there to cover. Bro, how about Great block, right? Justin yeah. Jefferson. Justin yeah. Jefferson throws cuz. Jeez. Hey. It's really good. And then See we got ya. carnage on the backside of that. It was awesome. Hell yeah. To your Did, point about changing the game, too, I think out if you take this out, I think he had like 13 carries for 40 yards. Like, they did a good job on him all day. And then, there boom. Oh, he needs one. Let's rewind it one more time. Double I want to kind of focus on this single block, too. I don't know if you saw it, AJ. Watch this. this big, on, re- remind people. It's single block because it is... Center guard, front side. Anything on front side, 
We're gonna in the zone scheme. We're gonna go single, double. If there was a tight end here, it'd be tackle, tight end. That'd be a triple. Center guard, single. What about what about on this side over here? What about these two? So now on the back side, we go scoop, slip, and then there's some form of a combo you can call it. There's all kinds of different names you can call it on the back side, but universal terms are pretty much either A, B, C, or scoop, slip, combo. And you're saying front side, not because of where the power is lined up, not because of where the front side of where the play is. The play is the design. So the single can switch sides from play to play. Correct. Got it. Are they setting this up with the tight ends on the opposite side of where they're running so they can get Von Miller kind of away from no, the point No, not of necessarily, because you could do the same thing. Like, this very easily to the defense. Now you can run, you know, strong zone Power. to that side or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Anything to the tight end. You just end up running this. But the single block knocking him across. Watch this. This is awesome. Watch him get this hit. Bam! Look at that hand right on the hip. Knocks him across. Man. Gets up on Milano. Yeah. That's awesome. Milano's screwed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, can't do anything. Look at that perfect form. Man. And then look, we got ass cheek there, ass cheek there. There's your big gaping hole. Yeah, yeah, got it. Well, kind of a slit there. Huh? Yeah, you see what? I- like that field uh, turf. Yeah, no, slit yeah. field turf. Can't have yeah. that. Sick yeah. of it. That's disgusting. <laughs> That's unbelievable. The Vikings have been awesome to watch. They've yeah. been rolling. Yeah. They have been rolling, running the ball. Is this something from Kevin O'Connell to for Sean McVay? Is that what this is here? It's all the same system. It's all the same system. They live and die by the zone. That's kind of that world, right? And they've actually had more success with the fullback this year, and it was interesting to kind of see them go single back here because they have not had as much success. But, man, did they have success on this one. Fullback C.J. Ham got a touchdown. Yes, he did. Yep. Plus 1,500. Uh-oh. Creative gadget. A.J. I did it. This guy. No, you didn't. Oh, yeah. Hey, what do you need me to do on Big Noon Kickoff? Yeah. You want me to tackle somebody? <laughs> okay. You want me to do whatever? I want to. What's your deal, dude? Come on, bro. There's not a lot of this in the NFL anymore, is yeah. there? No. Out on AJ. <laughs> right now? Wet blanket. <laughs> for good. No, not for good. No, for no. good. He fucks yes. his He's one of wet our guys. Blanket. This guy's one of our guys. I want to be a wet he was. Thank you. I want to be a wet blanket. Whoa, 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 whoa. All right, Mark, that's what you need. We appreciate you, AJ, but we don't like that you didn't buy into the... Watch this shit, dude. Hey, we ready for this? AJ, what do we got here? We got a receiver in the backfield. Oh! Oh. We got a bunch over here. What do we got here? A wide receiver. Running back. Running back. Shit! Exchanging positions. Now, this gets really awesome. Let it run a little bit. Holy shit. Alert, alert. Alert, alert. Pause it. Now let me set it up. Guard, flat pull, tight end, second puller. We've talked about this play all year long. This is the counter with the tight end as the second wrapper going to the second level. Check it out. We're going to hand this ball off to Dak and then a double handoff back to Tony Pollard. Oh, damn. Oh. Wow. And then look who we got out. Check this out. CD. CD, quarterback and blocker. He's like Aaron Rodgers. And, oh. <laughs> you end up stealing a blocker front side with this play. This play would have went out the house. Ooh. Defensive end makes a hell of a play right here. 55. Yeah. He's the first puller, gets it. Boom, if we get this thing secured on the log block, why do we call it a log block? Because he comes flat down the line. He tries to seal him back inside. Does a phenomenal job playing back over the top, making the play, or else this thing's out the gate. But what how cool a of a scheme is this? Yeah. 
I like that type of creativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Big Mike McCarthy going back to Lambeau. I'm sure I still got something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Look at the little side shuffle. Little, like the, the shift is so pure. Yeah. Dak Prescott just all in unison. Look at that. I mean. A little dance move. They're on a string, aren't it's they? Phenomenal, right? Get phenomenal deuce, or, yeah, deuce block right here. Get back blocks kind of everywhere else. Get a little seal block on the backside by the left tackle. O-line does a phenomenal job. We just need a little more on this first puller. A little bit more, a little bit more uh, what, effort, grit? Yeah, a little bit more finish right there. A bigger bump, you're saying. A little bit more finish right there. Just hook he has him right there and just kind of yeah, get up him. the field. Has him right there. But That's man. a tud, if not. Huh? Effort, yeah. Great effort play by 55. That's huge. Yep. Do they end up scoring a touchdown on this drive? It's a great question. Because they end up kicking a field goal there. That could be a different game. You know? Either they did or yeah. Dak threw a red zone pick. I don't remember I deeper but just think that's that's pass. what we've been talking about yeah. that's kind of been the story of the day like if old buddy somehow blocks cuz a little bit better because if you Second pause if you pause it right before there pat if we rewind this if we can get this in great position right kind of there look head to the upfield shoulder we got him it's over all he's got to do is just kind of wheel and get him to go mm-hmm. that way we get him to go that way we're out the gate hard right hard if he had a hard right right arm, right, boom, turn him a little bit, just set a little pick. That's, That's a great, great play. effort play. Great effort play. Yes, huge. Matt LaFleur's got the boys buzzing. That's right. Dude. Yeah, he certainly does. Emotional. Big win. What are you talking about? Oh, no, yeah, I agree. I agree. Joe Barry's got those boys buzzing, too. Hell, yeah. Hell, yeah. Hell, yeah. Um, okay, let's go to the next one. We got a couple big bumps here. Hey, I love, oh, I love this. Oh, yeah. Big bumps. I love this bump, because bump, 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 bump. we're going to get big Roger Saffold pulling out in space here. <laughs> and check this out. This guy's 35 years old. Watch him get on his horse. But check this out, too. When you get this guard pulling out in space and he's got a linebacker to block, that linebacker, AJ, tell him, you're coming downhill trying to decleat that car, that guard, before right? Before he gets his shoulder. Yeah, before he gets his shoulders turned. Now, check this out. Kendricks, who's one of the better linebackers in the league, and he's a thumper, is going to come down and try and take out Saffold and watch what Saffold does to him. Hey, that was a big shot Kendricks gave him. Gave gave him a big shot. That's a nasty little collision right there. Yeah. This is is one of those ones where neither of them got concussed, so it won't be talked about. This one hurt both these guys. Oh, yeah, but this one. They both might have been dinged up here. Yeah. Bam. But that's why I loved it so much because Kendricks, I mean, a lot of times you see those guys flat-footed and you see the big hits, right? Kendricks tried to get him. Mm -hmm. He tried to get him. Big Saffold, one of the better guards in the league for a long time. Mm. I think he's maybe year 11, year 12 at this point. 35 years old? Yeah. What a finish. I'm 35 years old. Somebody hits me in the jaw like that? Yeah. Dead. (laughs) Dead. All right, here we go. All right, let me me just kind of do this real quick. So when you're a guard, so if he's that left guard, where's the camera? Get up there, Colin. Perfect. So once I go here, and I got a guy right here, which you're going to see in Cleveland here, and he starts to loop out, you know the pressure's coming from the other side. The more you play, the quicker you can react. Boom. He loops out. Now I can come back, and what am I looking for? Ribs. We're looking for ribs. Ooh. And this is, one no, of the, no, 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 no. this is one of the better rib shots I've seen. As no, no, soon no. as Jordan Phillips works out, he sees it. Put the brakes on. Target locked. Ed Oliver, top 10 pick. Stud D tackle. This is one of the better ones I've seen all year. Sorry, Ed. Let's let this thing run full speed first. Beep, 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 beep. Boom. Boom. I mean, Cleveland gets him some meat. Ezra. Jeez. Oh, man. Jeez. Thanks for coming, Ed. How good is that? 
How good is that? Well, not great for Ed, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, D Lyman. Good for Ed. We're, we're obviously big Ed Ed fans yeah, around here. We but love yeah. The build. yeah, you're saying, boy, that bump is a big one. That's though. a big one. That's a big one. And he's gonna feel that. He's gonna know it. And the minute he works across oh, the center's face, man. look how he popped his head. Jeez. Look how oh, yeah. quickly he pops Whiplash. his head across to the right. Oh, bump it up. What the hell, boy. Don't you know, bump it up. You got to bump it up. Don't you know, bump it up. You got to bump it up. Don't you know, bump it up. You got to bump it up. Don't you know, bump it up. You got to bump it up. Don't you know, bump it up. Got to bump it up. We play that every Saturday college game day right before we go live. Perfect. I need it every single week. I mean, I literally, I got it. I do this naturally because the beat hits my bones, and I hope Ed Oliver was able. Did he get up after this? He got up. He got Jeez. up. Barely. He got up. Cleveland's doing some really nice things, mm-hmm. though. Left guard for the Minnesota Vikings. He's Cleveland, on... the player, not the not the team. Right? Exactly. Oh, Ezra true. Cleveland. He's doing a phenomenal job. He's been playing really high level, along with Darisaw, left side of the offensive line. Minnesota Vikings doing a phenomenal job. Brian O'Neill from University of Pittsburgh. Yeah. Having a hell of a year as well. Bradbury Center. I mean, they're doing some really, really, really good things. Right guard's playing well as well. Oh, I mean, look at his eyes. Look how happy he was. This yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, He's hard as a rock. Been thinking about this all week. Oh, my God. He even, like, gave a little crow hop and everything. Let me... oh. quick, quick recognition, though. You oh, see it? He knows it right away. Yeah. Oh, see oh, later, Ed. Hey, Ed, sorry about it. Sorry hate, about it. Hate that you had to be a part of this program, but that's part of the game. Yeah. And that's in the trenches with A.Q. Thank you, AQ. Incredible job, pal. We appreciate getting better every single day. It seems like some teams might stink in the record books, but their team has some things that are great on the ground, so maybe let's keep a little optimism going forward for the strategies that are being implemented for these squads. Thank you, AQ. Thank you, AQ. Always something to build upon. Thank you for all your help, too. With uh, I've sent him some homework assignments uh, whenever it's like game day, like TCU and things like that. He's always come back with big brain. I appreciate the hell out of you, AQ. Super Bowl champion for a reason. Hell yeah. AJ, great show today. We appreciate the hell out of you, except for whenever you're in a team meeting and you refuse to buy into the team meeting. Yep. The uh, talks the table mm-hmm. at Boston Connor at Ty Schmidt. One half of the hammer. Dan. Cowboys, Tone Diggs. Great show today. What time are you going live? About 15 minutes from now? 3.50. 3.50. That'll be great. All the boys in the back. Billy, Dirty, what? Bruce, what? Mitt, what? Foxy, what? Nick, what? Zito, what? see you for Phil. What? Big thanks to everybody. Uh, obviously, Aaron Rodgers stopped by today. It was a cool conversation. We can't thank him enough for that. Taylor Heineke was fantastic. Hope he, hopefully, he's enjoying those dins. Oh, I know he, he is. is. Seemed like he had some plans for the day. I'm happy, and hopefully, he executed that to continue this successful Monday night football joy, uh, journey before he – next week, they're going to have to get a game. Hey, next week? What if the commanders just keep winning? Have we talked about that yet? They might. Good question. That defense is only getting better. What if they just keep winning? We're going to have to continue to talk about the commanders, and it's not just put your left hand up. Who are we? The commanders. Conversation. No, it's like, hey, this team somehow, with a shitstorm all around their football locker room, have been able to rally the troops, keep everybody in, and then go out and win games. I'm happy for the commanders. I'm thankful for Taylor Heineke, and I'm thankful to do this show every single day. Now, to wrap this thing up in beautiful fashion. A man who's in a Hall of Fame, Western Pennsylvania Interscholastic <laughs> Athletic League Hall of Fame for his basketball and football abilities will showcase both of those things. He will attempt to throw a football into a basketball hoop to get how many people, AJ? Ten. See, that doesn't make sense. There has to be some sort of consequence. Should be eight, AJ. All right, eight. Oh, Five. because he missed the, la- the last one he missed, we've got to bump it down? 
He's missed 10 shots so far. I mean, yeah, we can't just, you know what I mean? Like, who are we without any accountability? Now, this is the first attempt, right? Well, f- we'll say that when you get in there, but yeah. now oh, we no. are figuring out the yeah, rules. It so it'll be eight winners. There has to be some sort of accountability. Here we go. You can't just continue to be the hero after you miss 10 shots. No. You could still be a hero, but not as much as you would have been with the I first can't. attempt in the first hour. That's just life. You would expect nothing less. You're a coach. That's, that's right. You're right. Consequences. Not all sunshines right. and rainbows. You're right. Make, if, it, make every day feel like a fucking loss. Let's go. No, no, no. Whoa. We would celebrate a win. Yeah. yeah. But we just can't celebrate it as much at this point whenever we've lost so much the first couple of weeks. Bingo. Eight people will win. $500. If AQ Shipley is able to drop that football, that baby Duke, that beautiful ball into that hoop right over there. We will pick the winners by randomly picking somebody that retweets this video. And in reply to this tweet, say something nice to somebody and put your cash tag from Cash App so we can efficiently pay you your $500. Eight winners potentially changing their day. Not only is it a Tuesday and Aaron Rodgers Tuesday, but now it's a day that they won $500. Will AQ Shipley do that for the people? We shall see. Connor, anything to say to AQ before he throws the ball? Yeah, get it done, Al. People are not going to be happy with you if you don't. Thanks. Saw a lot of tweets. People disappointed with you, AQ. I think after In the Trenches, you're riding high. What an incredible segment of In the Trenches today. AJ, your thoughts for AQ before he makes these uh, attempts here? I think he makes this first one. He doesn't need the other three. Me too. I think this first one's falling. Come on, Eight Al. winners of $500. AQ, you put this ball in a hoop. Let's go ahead and see you, pal. For the good of Joe DiNario. Oh! oh, oh I look good. Did. That was a great line, AQ. Great yeah, spiral. it looked really good. In his first attempt here, AQ Shipley will try to win eight people $500. Oh, jeez. Uh, I like this angle for Duck it. Dynasty. Wow. All right. In his first attempt, AQ will try to get eight winners. Oh! Oh, man. Oh, it, it looks so good. I'm trying here. Come on. Like purposeful throws. He's Wake up, Al. I mean, He's just thrown it for the area. Yeah. Like, try to make it in the hoop. Come on. Do it for Chodonaro. Each rep with a purpose. That's what I'm saying, there dude. You're just, you're just swelling it. There oh, here we go. Chuck uh, actually made it from Damn shotgun. It. In his first attempt here, AQ Shipley will try to win $500 <laughs> for eight random people right <laughs> in front of Joe DiNardo. Oh! Heartbreak. Oh. Joe Donato said, "Oh, you don't, you don't honor me." That's yeah. what Joe decided. Yeah. Joe had to Doppler go. He <laughs> saw the right at the very end. He called the wind gust. Hey, great attempt, though. Hey, yeah, good nice job. Oh, here we go. Joe and Jay. You fucked up, AQ. It's as simple as that. And guess what? When I get back to fight camp, I'm gonna fuck you up too. <laughs> All right, that's Tuesday. Thank you, Jay. What Thank you, Joe Nardo. Thank you, AQ. <laughs> Thank you, Aaron Rodgers. Thank you, Taylor Heineke. Thank you, AJ Hawk. Thank you, Boston Connor, Ty Schmidt, Tone Diggs, and everybody in the back. You are the best. Thank you for allowing us to do this for a living. We are eternally grateful. You know, we didn't win anything today for the people because we had some tough, tough wind gusts. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Tough throws. It's not an easy shot, but it's still a good time to say something nice to somebody because the world is filled with people being assholes. Saying something nice to somebody is a nice way to remind them, hey, you're alive. You look good. Something's great. Go ahead and do that, and we'll see you tomorrow. Goodbye.